0: Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging
1: conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com.
0: Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com where there'll be a lot of articles for you to not only read but to listen to our previous shows you can also call us 720-6-NERDS-5 thanks for listening and enjoy the show
2: hi this is jonathan tierston from the perfect house and sleepaway camp and you are listening to the real nerds podcast
1: Welcome to the Real News Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic-Con 2018 and beyond. Uh, I am a host, James Hart. Oh man, I said my last name. Shit.
3: You're in trouble now. <laughs> Cut that out.
1: Uh, I am joined as sometimes by... Zach. And? Brad. And Ryan is not here at a protest because we have to talk about the Venom trailer this week. So he <laughs> uh, he petty. was like, dude, I, I just can't. He's He's like, I'll cry too much. It's so insulting. It has so much venom in it. <laughs> and it causes so much venom in him. Oh, see what I did there? See what I did?
3: I didn't watch it, so I don't know what oh, you are no, talking about. Oh, no. It
1: was, uh, you know, venom like, you know, anger, like venom, right? I'll uh, make a
3: Bane reference while you're at it. A Bane reference? Bane. No. Because Oh, yeah, venom to yeah. I see what you're saying. Up. Yeah, like yeah. it's really. Spider
1: Man! It really, you know, incurs his. Wait a minute. Tom
3: Hardy played Bane.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> You genius. Anyway. There's venom in that movie. uh, Every week we go see a movie or stay home and see a movie and podcast our experience to the world. This week we saw the Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, The, like, oops, we dropped this into Netflix uh, bad robot movie uh, that came out after the Super Bowl last week. Uh, So we'll talk about that and uh, tell people whether or not they should go see it, and then we'll play a trailer. And then we'll talk about it, and we'll spoil it. And this is definitely one that we can spoil, so mm-hmm. uh, you know, just be aware before we get to that point. Yeah. If you if you've heard the trailer and you're still listening and you didn't see the movie, just it's there. You've been warned.
2: I didn't watch the trailer. Was it a short one? I know it, it was. was on, on, yeah. On Super Bowl. So. Are you chewing gum on the show? Yeah, he's terrible. <laughs> it's it's it the most audible
1: and, and obnoxious <laughs> thing he could possibly be doing. Um, <laughs> But, you know, nobody's listening anyway except my mom. So, uh, And <laughs> I have Ryan. I later. Here. That's true. Yeah. You have to listen to it. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so we're going to talk about that. Before that, we're going to talk about what's coming out on Blu-ray and movie news and whatever else we've been watching. Um, Zach will probably ramble on about some porn that he watched this week, mm-hmm. just like he did last week.
2: I watched one involving cookies.
1: Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, all of that's going to happen. But first- Cookies and milk. Brad, take us around town.
3: Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. This weekend at the Esquire, the midnight movie, is the U.S. US theatrical premiere of the 2004 anime cult classic Mind Game, in Japanese with English subtitles. Oh, it wow. looks bananas um, <laughs> there's a like a crazy blue dude running with a glowing foot, and then he's being followed by some like purple tiger, yes, um purple tiger, yeah, so there's that
1: I hope that the purple tiger should start off as a statue and then or like a, Come like to a life yeah, it's like a jade carving or something, do and you, then it comes to life and chases people down and attacks them. Do
2: you just want anime gargoyles? Yes, okay, I just want regular gargoyles, okay. Just, Basically all the time. Okay, I'll call Disney or Please. Buena Vista Home Entertainment, whoever put it. <laughs> yeah, man, how has
1: that not been a, had a movie yet? How is know. there not a Gargoyles movie?
2: I don't remember the show that well. Like it was, I remember watching it, but
1: yeah. Sorry, Brad, go ahead.
3: And then beyond that, next weekend um, is The Room and Rocky Horror Picture Show again. Cool. And then the following weekend after that is The Neverending Story. Oh. So that'll be back. I've never seen that. Wow. Hmm.
1: It's okay. I don't think I'd like it.
3: I have not seen it since a child, uh, being a child. So uh, I imagine it might be another scenario of better in my mind.
1: It's like a, it's a, it's a flight of the navigator, <laughs> where like, oh man, the flight of the navigator is so cool. And then when you're like 20, you go back and watch it on your own, and you're like,
3: oh shit. Oh man, what's wrong Dad. with me? Yep. And then it's the last not even,
1: it's not even like at least with explorers, some people like the first half better than the second, and vice versa. But, like, The Flight of the Navigator, it starts and you're like, this is cool, and then it's just boring.
3: <laughs> and then the last thing this weekend is, I think, the final weekend of Evil Dead, the musical, The Bug. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, I got to watch it last weekend, and it is fantastic. Were you in the splatter zone? Did I was you get... not in the splatter zone. Oh, okay. No, I was. How much blood is it, really? Is it a lot? Not a lot. It's a, a couple super soakers being shot at you. <laughs> <laughs> periodically throughout the show. Um, oh, that's pretty good. I went in thinking, yeah, there'd be, there'd be buckets of like... Yeah. Then I get, when I really thought about it, I was like, mm, who's really going to clean that up?
1: Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, because you're also ruining the theater.
3: Yeah, I mean, they have the seats covered off, but... Oh, okay. You know, people aren't coming in wearing trash bags, and yeah. there's still the floor. True. So yes. Yeah. Yeah,
1: you don't want it to look like a crime scene when everybody's...
3: But it's tons of fun, um, and there's this great uh, gag where... Uh, you know, the bridge is out in the movie... Oh and uh in their version someone keeps forgetting to put the prop bridge out <laughs> so some in the middle of the scene they're like oh, we can't go any further the bridge is out we can't go any further the bridge is out and then some guy comes out from backstage he's like motherfucker like this is the last time i'm putting this thing out here every scene change you guys forget to put it out and then he just like curses and walks back and yeah, it's great um and overall just it's it's a lot of fun the songs are great cool um so yeah, that's what's going on around town this week.
1: Cool, sweet. Well, we like seeing movies at the Alamo Draft House when we're here in Denver at either location, Littleton or Sloans Lake. But I like Sloans Lake because it's close to my house. Hello. Hi, I'm Kevin Smith. Hi, I'm Leonard Malton. Hi, I'm Mark Hamill. Hi, I'm Elijah Wood. This is Seth Rogen. I'm
3: Christopher Bloss. I'm Ron Star. Welcome to the Alamo Draft House.
1: They have all kinds of stuff uh, going on this week.
3: Sloans Lake is close, house to, your- Sloan's Lake close to your house.
1: No, I, oh, did I say yeah. like I meant Littleton. <laughs> I like the bar, it sounds like. It's huge, it's comfortable, and you can hang out.
2: There's a portion of it you can go outside. Yeah. Uh,
1: anyway, at the Littleton location this week, you can see Magical Girl Lyrical Nanaha Reflection Subtitled. That's on Tuesday the 13th. So probably by the time you've heard this, you've already missed it. Uh, Geeks who drink is on Wednesday, and then uh, Dread Central presents The Lodgers on Thursday the fifteenth. Film Geeks Assemble is presenting Black Panther with PCC.
3: I don't know what that is. Who are the film geeks?
1: I don't know. (laughs) The fuck are these people? (laughs) Time to do some research. Their name is not as punny as ours. Do we have to take them out, boss? (laughs) Um, Oh, I think this one. Oh, oh, this is the uh the pop culture classroom one too. Holy shit. What what is this shit? Anyway, well, we will we'll go fight some people. Um on Friday the 16th, uh we get the Mile High Movie Roast of The Phantom
2: <laughs> Slam Evil. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, Slam Evil.
2: I still love that, that and the Shadow episodes of How Did This Get Made. Yeah. <laughs> Even though hey, I adore the Shadow. the Shadow's a
1: great film. It, it it's, it's a, a decent it, film. It, it's a decent film. The it's Shadow has three X. <laughs> the Shadow uh, has problems. All right. Uh, but, but
2: like Lone Ranger, I'll still support it because it's based on radio. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm um, that tethered to it.
1: <laughs> Tuesday the 13th at the Sloan's Lake location, you've got Tammy and the T-Rex. Yep.
2: I don't know what that is. I still think that would be a great zoo morning oh, radio sorry. show. Sorry. It's
1: a, it's a video vortex. You should totally go see that. Oh, damn. If it's a video vortex and it's called Tammy and the T Rex, oh, my goodness. This woman is about to get eaten by a T Rex. I bet that's Tammy. There's a crazy dude with a broken nose. <gasps> this looks awesome. Okay. Go see Tammy and the T Rex uh, at the Sloan's Lake location. Um, uh,. RMCAD is presenting Blade on Wednesday the 14th. How do you pronounce that? How is it? RMCAD. RMCAD. RM, Rocky
3: Mountain Cart. It's an acronym, so it's Rocky no, Mountain know. College. I know.
1: But what do people say when they say the acronym?
3: RMCAD, but you really should just uh, be saying RMCAD.
1: Okay, so RMCAD is. Okay. I always. Yeah, yeah okay. RMCAD. RMCAD is presenting Blade on Wednesday the 14th. Uh, the Film Geeks Assemble uh, is also showing Black Panther. With pop culture classroom on Thursday the fifteenth.
3: As far as I can tell, it's just their name for like that type of showing. Yeah, like, it's tough it's Guy cinema. The, yeah, right. But still, Steve.
1: I know. Seriously, give us a call. <laughs> we'll give you a better name. What, what the <laughs> um, the Barbfly on Friday the sixteenth is doing Hands of Midnight. I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool. Hands of Midnight. Uh, it happens at ten o'clock, which is too early.
2: Yeah. Almost two hours too early.
1: Um, here, let me see what <laughs> what it says. Oh, analog electronic music. Uh, so it's like a band. That's okay. cool. Uh, oh, so it's actually yeah. There's no cover at eight p.m. They've got a guy named Roger Green playing, and then nine p.m. is the hands of midnight, and then church fire, uh, which is an unfortunate title. I'm gonna burn down a church. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's cool. And what am I missing next Sunday? Oh, and then Sunday, the 18th, they are showing The Magnificent Seven and which Dumb and line? Dumber. Uh, the original, but I'm, I'll am open good. it to confirm. And then uh, Chasing Train. Let's see what that one is. I should have looked well, at these before. Be a, oh, no. Train. Mm, it's the new one, which is great. Oh, okay. That's also good. It's, it's the on, new Magnificent Seven. I, I haven't Seven. seen it yet. Did you should see that. It's on Prime. It's great. No matter what Ryan thinks.
2: I mean, Ryan told me it was made under another title called We Got the Gold, but
1: uh yeah, he he actually didn't even go. Um much like when we saw Hay- Haywire together, he just showed up late and then walked out early. Um so he didn't actually know what he was talking about on that movie. Okay. Uh anyway, that is what's happened at the, at the Alamo. You should uh get some tickets and go to some stuff cuz yeah. it's cool. You can get beers and shit. Yep. And eat food.
2: You can get pizza. You can get pizza. You get loaded fries. Yeah, they have uh, hummus. I
1: I am sad though now that I'm on keto again. Like I basically can't eat anything there. Uh, uh, like the only thing I could eat would be their their wings, but their buffalo wings. Like they don't. Right. I guess I could get the wings and just tell them to like, hey, please don't put buffalo Wait, sauce what are on you, them. Are
2: like, what do you want? Like keto. keto. It means
1: I'm I'm eating like no carbs and high fat. Oh, okay. Um, I could eat a salad there, but okay, that's not fun. Okay. Cool. So what I'm saying is they need more just like big slab of, like, pork belly. If they would just cook me a piece of pork <laughs> belly for dinner, I would be happy. Um, like, pork belly tacos, but without the tacos. Give me the Flintstones special. <laughs> yeah, basically that's a big what half I half rack now. of rib.
2: <laughs> it overweighs my tray.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, well, anyway. <laughs> uh, Zach, what do you want to do next? What you segment what? should Why we do? We do do some DVDs and Blu-rays. Okay. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Uh, the big release this week, no matter what anybody else says, is the Criterion release of *Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, son.
2: I get uh, mine in tomorrow. Which is, I get mine tomorrow. I, I like this cover. It's and I really know Ryan's good. got his coming tomorrow, too, so. Yeah. He and I are just going to text each other like dorks, going like, hey, did you see this feature?
1: <laughs> it's pretty great. Okay. Um... Uh, Roman J. Israel Esquire is out on Blu-ray tomorrow.
2: From what I've heard, the inexplicable Oscar-nominated Roman J. Israel Esquire. Yeah. It's I Denzel, though. I didn't know
1: even... about this movie until he got nominated for an Oscar, yeah. uh, the, which it, is maybe my it's fault. It's from the director of
2: Nightcrawler, which makes me want to see it, even though it's gotten terrible reviews. Yeah. Because I liked Nightcrawler. Have you seen that
1: movie? Uh, yeah, I love Nightcrawler. Jake,
2: Jill- Jake Gyllenhaal creeping out Renee Russo at dinner. Yeah. It uh, should have gotten her an Oscar nomination.
1: I love that movie. Um, Wonder is out on 4K this week with Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson.
2: And uh, Henry Jarvis' uh, arch nemesis, Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right.
1: He's the He's the little astronaut boy. He's the
2: Wonder kid.
1: Yeah. He's just so smart. <laughs>
2: he's just so smart. I know he knows how to navigate Hollywood. <laughs>
1: Uh, there's a film called God's Own Country, which just sounds familiar, but I don't remember where this is from. Anyway, it's from last year. It's out on hey, man, can't,
2: God can't own a country, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, like I don't dis- know how to
1: describe I, it, how the look I just had to give you. I like when I disappoint that you. Was. I don't
2: know why, but I do. <laughs> uh,
1: the first season of The Deuce from HBO is out this week, mm. uh, which has James Franco in it and Maggie Gyllenhaal. And uh I might look at this. This is kind of cool.
2: David Simon's the creator. So. Yeah. Um
1: and if they you... just announced that uh, James Franco is going to be back for season 2. So. They did? Yep. Really? Yep. Okay. Uh, I thought he
2: was on the outs or something, but uh,
1: Well, <clears throat> hmm. yeah, he's a he's an interesting one. Anyway, um uh, Silence of the Lambs Criterion is out tomorrow as well, so you can oh,
2: check that out. I want to order that, but I already ordered Rebecca, so I need to not spend a bunch of money until no. next, next week.
1: The thing I don't like about this cover is that if you go back to the original cover of the Silence of the Lambs mm-hmm. and you look really close at the moth, they were really, like, the moth, the, the, the skull shape is actually made up of women. Right. Um, right. And they, they, all they did was they, like, blew up a big, you know, uh, it's like a Rorschach test in blood, um, that then is the moth, and it kind of misses that element, which it's, is too bad. That's why
2: I like, why I like uh, Scream Factory sometimes more than Criterion, because on the reverse, oh, yeah. the reverse side gives you the original theatrical. Yeah. Criterion, don't do that.
1: Well, yeah, and, and you know, Shout Factory, like, puts some effort into hiring, like, a really cool artist to do some stuff, and sometimes the Criterions are great, and sometimes they're like, meh. Um... Warner Brothers Archives is putting out Leatherface: The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. I really
2: wish Scream could have gotten that somehow, but Warner Brothers doesn't like giving their titles away. Yeah. That sucks. Cuz that 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 would be a fun like to see a couple documentaries on the making of that or a commentary or something cuz it went through a shitty production. At one point Peter Jackson was attached to it, so like it would be interesting.
1: We're almost, with one exception, just talking about trash for the rest of the segment, by the way. Uh, awesome. Hellraiser Judgment is out on Blu-ray this week, uh, which is a movie from this year. Um, <laughs> so if you thought to yourself, oh, I didn't see that come through theaters, that's because it didn't.
2: You know what? It's okay, because that means Clive Barker gets a check, so he doesn't have to worry about like paying bills. You know? Yeah.
1: Um, okay. Uh, eaten Alive. Um, oh toby hooper from severin uh no no not toby hooper's eaten alive this is a film by umberto lenzo Lenzi. Oh. it has a naked woman like an uh, oh cannibal a cannibal movie yeah yeah uh yeah there's a naked woman on the front about to get like her neck slit by some kind of like t- aboriginal folk um no, like, she's like she's just super naked. Like that Green this infer- is a photo. Like,
2: like that Green Inferno movie? <laughs> uh
1: no. This one's got way more boobs on the cover. This one looks like more fun. <laughs>
2: I actually like Green Inferno. So. Uh,
1: uh the Blood spra- the The Blood Spattered Bride. Man, that's really hard to say. That sounds familiar. It <laughs> is. Um I believe this movie gets referenced in discussions about Kill Bill. Kill Bill. Oh. Um, I'm trying to see here whether Blood or not splatter, that's confirmed. Right. They, here, yeah, they, yes. that's
2: one of the names of the chapters in Kill Bill.
1: Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. they don't talk about it here. But anyway, uh, this is from Mondo Macabro. Uh, <laughs> Macabro. <laughs> the tagline is, the honeymoon was over and the terror began, which is, <laughs> which is pretty decent. Uh, all right, now we're getting into our Shop Factory releases. Um, the biggest and and second best Blu-ray release of this week, is Drag Me to Hell from Shout Factory. Yep. Um, this cover is dope. Yep. Oh my goodness. It's pretty oh, damn cool. I haven't watched Drag Me to Hell in so long. That movie's so cool. I need to watch it Sheesh. again before
2: I get the new... Or I guess I'll just wait and get the Shout one.
1: I love... Spoilers for <laughs> Drag Me to Hell. But I love that the title of the film is a spoiler for <laughs> Drag Me to Hell. <laughs> uh... Anyway,
2: I just wish she had said the name of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Movie. If, if she,
1: if if right there at the end oh she was no, like, "Oh no, they're going to get, I'm hell. get dragged to hell! <laughs> ah, I'm being dragged to hell!" Or like,
2: I or, mean, he could or somebody, have away or with somebody that. comes up to Justin Long after she's dragged to hell. What happened to her? She was dragged to hell.
1: Oh man! Oh, that would have been great. <laughs> oh, Justin Long. Shit. Uh, <laughs> Halo, <laughs> Halo: The Fall of Reach <laughs> is getting a Shout Factory release, so all the Halo fans are like. Meh. I guess I don't know. Um, All the Halo fans say what? <laughs> also from Shout Factory, "Knight of the Seagulls." Uh, okay, <clears throat> there's a lot going on here. Uh, Describe it to me. <laughs> the tagline here is: "Their pagan god has given his command. Seven knights, seven victims, seven victims, seven human hearts." Uh, what does this have to do with seagulls? <laughs> basically, like I don't know what it has to do with seagulls. Uh, there's a like an army of dudes on horses, and they all look like Skeletor. And then here in the foreground, there's this Skeletor, and he's hanging. He's like he's got a, like just a woman in her in his arms, and she's wearing some semi-transparent white clothes. Uh, and they're clearly going to carve out her heart. Okay. And she's probably one of seven mostly unclothed females it, whose hearts will be claimed.
2: Is seagull a metaphor for a woman? I, I, don't, know. I, I don't know.
1: No, it's probably like. Uh, it's it's probably like the name of the group or like they worship seagulls or something.
2: That's a dumb name for a cult. No, oh, no, no.
1: It's just the night Templars. Okay. The Knight Templars, which I don't think is how... I think it's called the Knight's Templar, but okay. <laughs> the Knight Templars return in this fourth installment in the Blind Dead series. On this outing, the Templars uh haunt a fishing village where they raise... Or where they where they rise seven nights every seven years to claim their sacrificial offering in return for the safety of the townspeople. So, so. It's this is town. the fourth film, and it's called Night of the Seagulls. I don't, I don't get it. But well, check it out.
2: They're in a fishing town, so maybe there's seagulls at night.
1: Uh, <laughs> <and> the next <laughs> one is a release from Code Red. Never heard of them before. Oh, they're,
2: uh, they're like Synapse and Severin and stuff. Oh, okay, cool. Factory.
1: This movie's called The Last Hunter. Uh, this Ooh. is a pretty dope-looking cover. It looks like you remember, like in the early video game days of like nineteen eight, like home video games of like nineteen eighty-nine, mm. when you get the, that that cool box art on stuff. Yeah, this looks kind of like that. Uh, the brutal story of one man's fight for survival behind enemy lines. There's some helicopters chasing him. It's pretty dope. Sweet. Um. Oh. Uh Shoot And then I had one completely out of order And unfortunately it's the last one Which is super anticlimactic uh, The Ballad of Lefty Brown Which is a film from last year That has Bill Pullman shooting a gun And Jim Caviezel looking sad There's
2: posters for that at the uh, Littleton Alamo
1: It's got Peter Fonda in it That's Good. cool
2: Good, does he surf in it?
1: Nope, I think he's just cool
2: But Peter Fonda's only cool when he's surfing
1: That's bullshit Peter <laughs> Fonda is just cool period but he's cooler um, when he's surfing. <laughs> no, I'm going to throw this fucking mic at your head. <laughs> um, Escape
2: from L.A., guys. It actually happened. <laughs> yeah, I think that's
1: everything. Sweet. Unless Brad's going to tell me, like, hey, you missed.
3: No, I've been distracted by this Predator poster. I
1: thought you weren't listening to me. <laughs> uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I did miss something. Uh, there's a movie out this week called Don't Fuck in the Woods. <laughs> Sorry, it's actually don't f and then star three stars in the woods. Oh, that sucks. Um, this looks weird. It's just a documentary
3: Um, about a sign.
1: (laughs) The best movie title ever has been created. Dread Central. That's the pull quote on the front. Literally, Dread Central's pull quote is just man. The title of this movie is good.
2: Yeah, you know we've had some great titles over the past years, like Cabin in the Woods, Get Out, and now Don't Fuck in the Woods. I'm just gonna send this. The to horror th- films are trying to send you a message, guys. <laughs> I'm just gonna
1: send this to Ryan and tell him he has to buy it because I I can't. Um,
2: is it? It's on Amazon, right? Oh yeah. Oh shit, I might buy it. it no, no, uh, no, 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 no! Don't
1: do that. No, don't do that. Make Ryan buy it. Okay. No. <laughs> No, no, no. No one else should spend money so on don't r- fuck in the is woods. Is Ryan's
2: punishment for something? He's like, no, yeah, it's just, you've got to buy don't fuck in the woods and have it on your credit card statement. I want, <laughs> I want
1: one of us to vet this piece of shit before, like... <laughs> man. Anyway.
2: You're, you're, you're already on the hook for Fugitive Girls. But imagine if, uh, like... I already bought Fugitive imagine, Girls. Imagine, I know, but so imagine your fiancé is, like, looking at the shelf and she already sees Fugitive Girls. Then she opens up a package and it says, don't fuck in the woods. Oh, she was here when I got it. James? <laughs> <laughs>
1: but the cover for Dove like, Fuck in the Woods is terrible. It's basically, like, some dude in his underwear, and the shot is is basically the um, uh, I spit on your grave shot of just, like, his ass, <laughs> but then he's hanging, he's holding on an axe, and you're just like, this is just awkward, it's weird, I don't like it.
2: Well, I learned an interesting piece of trivia on that oh, um, no. um, I spit on your grave poster where she's, like, in her underwear, one yeah. the original one. It's Demi Moore's ass. Really? Yep. Oh. She was 18, needed a job, and... Paid her money to just photograph her button underwear.
1: Yep, that's not new.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: anyway, it uh, was the '70s. <laughs> that's that is what the Blu-ray releases are this week. So, uh, Brad, what are we doing next? Are we doing news? or Are we doing what we've been watching? Let's do news. Okay. It's real news. It's sad. All of it's sad. Well no, just some of it. Uh Johan Johansen died this week at the age of 48. Uh they have not released how yet. Then um, it was murder. Hopefully. <laughs> oh. I hope it was I hope it was murder Fred. or or like accidental drugs. I just hope he didn't kill himself. Uh, this is a guy like, I wish I had talked about more on the show. Like I saw his name and I was like, Oh, Johan, yo, Oh no.
3: What is he known for? I just
1: was excited to see his name. So he's done a lot of the Denis Villanueva films. Mm. Um, so he did Arrival and Prisoners and Sicario <laughs> and The Theory of Everything. Like he was a guy who was like up and coming. Wasn't he um, working
2: on Blade Runner but then got replaced by y- Zimmer?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. Um... I think it was him, or it may have been there was another guy. Unless it was the the Swedish guy. I don't know. Well, anyway, no, They're both. He, Swedish,
2: he's, he did some other stuff, not just with. Yeah. Um, uh, Dennis fellow ice. So.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, he was working on the, um, that movie Mandy with Nicholas Cage, mm-hmm. uh, at the time, uh, and then did he do? Oh yeah, yeah, he did Mother, Mother, <laughs> Mother. Um, he did uh,
2: the Mary Magdalene film that we're supposed to get with Joaquin Phoenix.
1: Oh yeah, right.
2: Don't know if we're getting that because it's owned by a company that's currently on, in, in the state of fuckery. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but I think that yeah, would hopefully, be his last hopefully his scores for those me. films are done. Um, it'll be interesting. Really sad, though. I genuinely, like, one of those guys that when his name came up in credits, I'd be like, oh, shit, that's going to be good. Because um, he was, you know, certainly I put new in quotes because, A, he was 48, and B, like, he you know, he's around for a few years. But, like, yeah. You no, know, was was doing a real solid job. So, mm-hmm. um, really a shame. Uh, he was in Berlin at the time of his death. Okay, I don't know what that means. Maybe he's gonna add that um, Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully it was nice. I guess I don't know. Whatever. Moving on. Uh, Reggie Kathy uh, also died this week at the age of fifty nine. Yeah, from um, wire. And, yeah, uh, and House of Cards. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you if you watch House of Cards, he's the guy who owns like the the um the barbecue shop mm-hmm. that Kevin Spacey was always going to. Uh just one of those really great character actors you saw all over the place. He was only um, like fifty nine, wasn't he? Yeah, he was fifty nine. Yeah. That sucks. Uh yeah, let's see what they got a whole list here. He was in Funny Farm and Born on the Fourth of July, and what about Bob and The Mask and Airheads and Tank Girl and Seven and American Psycho and
2: I remember him in Seven, yeah.
1: Yeah. He was in Oz and person of interest, anyway, a lot of different stuff, really shame, um oh, of course, this one I didn't see uh oh that's yeah, he had cancer, that's right, mm-hmm. so that's too bad,
2: yeah, he's just, they came in threes this week, Yeah, cause, uh fortunately you have the you, I think you have the next one that, uh, oh no, I don't John Gavin died, oh John gavin was um he was in Spartacus and uh um a lot of other like films throughout the fifties sixties seventies, and eighties um, but his I think his biggest claim to fame for us geeks would probably be he was Sam Loomis in the uh, first Psycho um, from Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. Um, he was the OG Sam Loomis before we turned him into a crazy British doctor. No. Yeah. Um, but he, he opens the movie. He has the first line, which is you, bear- you didn't even eat your lunch, and it starts this amazing, awkward conversation between a man and a woman who are trying to find a way to carry on their relationship when he's got to pay alimony and she's stuck at a dead-end job. Yeah, And that sends her into stealing some money and then going to a motel, and that's when the cinema changed, guys. <laughs> he also gets to uh, wrestle Norman Bates to the ground at the end. Yeah, uh, in the mother suit. It's a good one. Yeah, he will be missed. Yeah, he was a good looking dude, but apparently Hitchcock, handsome did, as heck. Hitchcock apparently did not want him in the movie. Too he, he, too handsome. Yeah, he nah, said ugh. he said
1: no one will be attracted to these attractive young ladies I have if I put this attractive man in here.
2: I do not think that you are attractive enough. You need to be a bulbous British man. There you go. Good evening, um, John Gavin.
1: <laughs> so we'll just sort of. Hey, Brad do you do you want to cut the trailer for Venom in here?
3: Uh, is it does it have dialogue or is no? It, is it's music? terrible. Is it
1: all it's music? It's mostly just so we got the trailer for Venom this week. A.K.A. Um, two splashes of milk. <laughs> the weird the weirdest thing about it is, it's basically all just voiceover and then shots of uh of Tom Hardy walking away from the camera in like wrestler style, you know? Um and then I like that that's the, the thing. The voice for it. I watched it twice and I'm pretty sure it's Tom Hardy talking but he's doing this weird voice. Like remember how it was hard to understand the Bane voice? This is like an easy to understand but it's hard to believe it's coming from Tom Hardy voice. Like you know, yeah, like if you if you meet somebody you only know from radio um, and you're like, how is that voice coming out of that person? Yeah. It's, it's this weird inflection. It's very bizarre. Um, very soft spoken. But if you're
2: addicted to listening to Tom Hardy deliver monologues, get ready because I yeah, guess we'll fill yeah. your quota for the year.
1: Um, there is no venom in the in the trailer. There is some symbiote in like a tube. Uh, and then you get a lot of shots of it's, it's mostly, it does actually look a lot like an indie film because most of the film is just him looking concerned in an MRI machine mm-hmm. in the way that you might expect from like a sad Alexander Payne film where like, you know, this guy's got brain cancer. And like, so the whole trailer is just him <laughs> in an MRI, like going like, Oh man, I got brain cancer. Michelle like,
2: Williams looks concerned at one point.
1: Yeah. Like, Oh no, my boyfriend has ba- brain cancer. And then, like, (laughs) clearly somebody's going to shoot him with some venom and he's going to be like, oh, no, now I have to stop bad guys. I don't know. Um, It's weird. Mm -hmm. And then especially to get, like, then it as it fades into this, like, uh, title treatment that is this weird metallic not great-looking font. Like, I thought that was fake fan font. Like, when I first saw the poster, I was like, that's, oh, that fan sucks. That's terrible. There's no way that, oh, shit, that's actually what they're their title treatment looks like that's gross you know it's very like 1998
2: despite it sucking I mean as we've learned from last year Sony manages to pull financial miracles out of their butt so
1: hey it might be great it's just not a great trailer I
2: I I care less yeah now that I, now that I know it's real, I I really care way less than I did before.
1: To be fair, we don't know it's real yet until we see Venom in a suit. That's true. <laughs> like at this point, <laughs> not real. Might just be a film where somebody tries to cure Tom Hardy's uh, brain cancer <laughs> with some kind of space symbiote, and maybe it doesn't work. And then Michelle Williams is sad, and they have a they have a sad conversation on the side of the street or something.
2: And then they walk away to the song everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And then there's a house fire. Yeah. Uh, or a church fire. Or a church fire. Uh, Michael Fassbender is going to star in Kung Fury for some reason. That's weird. <laughs> what is he doing? Between that and, like, spearheading that Assassin's Creed movie, what is he doing? Money. No. He's getting paid for these things, man. Yeah, he's getting paid for them, but...
3: I didn't know David Sandberg was friends with Michael Fassbender. He
1: needs to buy a
2: second home to house his humongous dick.
1: (laughs) I'm just, I'm amazed. Uh, It's, yeah. Maybe it's great. Hopefully it's great.
2: Maybe he thinks if he gets paid for this, he can give Ridley the money to do the third Prometheus movie. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I guess there's like some speculation about whether or not that the Disney purchase is going to go through, right? Because there's some stuff going on. But whatever. Yeah. Until something happens, there's nothing to talk about. Uh, there's a lot of Star Wars news this week. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, where do you want to start? <laughs> let's start with all the solo stuff. Okay. So, I, I, it feels to me like Disney probably. Here's my reading on it. I think that in the wake of Last Jedi criticism. Mm -hmm. most of which unwarranted, in my opinion. Um, And them sort of reacting to that and trying to be like, okay, well, we got to make sure that the franchise is still safe. Uh, And then also just because they know how much bad word of mouth is around the solo thing, Mm -hmm. um, there was just a flood. After the trailer came out, there was just a flood of different pieces of news. So the first big thing was there were a number of interviews that happened where Kathleen Kennedy Ron Howard and Lord uh, Lord Miller all talked a bit more openly about the firing uh, and why they were removed the story now. uh, And honestly, this kind of makes some sense um, is that they are because those guys way of working is so improv heavy. Mm -hmm. um, The weight of the entire project was at least in Kathleen Kennedy's mind too much for them. And they were running behind and they were going to, you know, end up going over budget and not being able to really keep up with like all of the demands of such a big project, and it was just going to not work yeah um, and their way of working just that was the way they wanted to work, and you know things just sort of didn't didn't jive right um you know everybody's like comments on it were all of course very political and nice and and all of that I think it's a believable if sugar-coated version of the story, obviously. Yeah. Um, this is a, yeah, it's a pretty big thing. Like, this doesn't happen that often, so. um. Yeah. I'm sure it was a lot messier than it sounds. Yeah. Because um, you don't just, I mean, basically, Ron Howard came, was already being talked to by the time that Lord Miller were finally fired, clearly, because he was brought on immediately. Um. So, just interesting, you know? Right. So, in addition to playing some damage control, I guess, uh, there were some stories that came out about how the Han Solo film was in production with George Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan before Disney even bought it. So, all you nerds who are so worried about us fucking up your old series, like, nah, George Lucas is is still helping. Oh, and uh, he came by and helped Ron Howard on the set and was like, consulting and being nice and like making sure everything's great since when the fuck is George Lucas the person we could pull out of the closet to be like hey guys these movies are gonna work out just great hey, like
2: hey, hey, I'm uh, the scene is Ron Howard sitting in the director's chair going gosh I don't know what to do I wish I could have some help hey right hey Ron how you doing remember me I directed you on American graffiti and
1: I'm sure it is one of those things where it's like okay it's Ron Howard their friends. He's going to call and be like, hey, come by the set and do, you know, I want to talk to you about it. I'm sure that did happen. Mm-hmm. It's just weird that then – and then the the last thing as far as this is concerned is that they also talked about the fact that Harrison Ford was there and was consulting and helping advise, like, you know, and sort of making sure the spirit of his character was there. It's just a lot of Disney putting out some PR information to be like, hey, guys, we did our homework and we did a good job and we talked to we, – we went and – and prayed at the right temples to make sure that, like, your shit that you care about is going to be respected. And I, it's all the shit I don't care about. Listen, I'm like, just
2: a guy who's making movies in my basement that only I can see. But I think that yeah. you should do this shot with the Humanoe Falcon because of A, B, C, and D. Yeah. But, again, that's just me. Hey. But good luck, and I, and I and I really hope to see Apollo 14.
1: Goodbye. Yeah. I, I can't wait if for that, this. If that's actually going to happen. I can't <laughs> wait for this movie to, like not be great and then everybody blames it on on ron howard and says like hey there should be a george lucas cut of this film uh I, you know there, he there, had a vision there, lawrence kasdan
2: there there is a cut of that but you can only see it in my basement
1: uh, <laughs> james want to come down and watch the movies i made in no, my basement? <laughs> no george lucas stop inviting me to your basement it's creepy down there never vacuum it
2: smells like cat poop I have all my art films from USC.
1: No one wants to see them. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) Shocker. THQ, not a
2: great film. THX, get it right. It's not great. 1138.
1: I know, it's not great.
2: Stars a guy named Donald Pleasant. I know, it's not great. Yeah, I know. Just not. That's why Warner Brothers dumped it.
1: (laughs) Anyway, uh, and then in addition to that, Disney was like, hey man, we're also making like a shit ton more TV shows. Um, So they hired a bunch of different people who I won't go through all of. Uh, to go spin up different TV shows for their streaming service. Sure. Um, they're entitled to do that. Yeah. Right? Um, there's also some other stuff. So there's like, there's a Don Quixote from the guy who made the hunger or from the guy who wrote the Hunger Games. But we have to um, get Terry
2: Gilliam's first.
1: Well, yeah, but this is just this is like a, a either a TV show or a movie version of it. That is oh, a, t- a
2: TV show for Don Quixote actually might be really cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, the woman who directed uh the Keeping Room. He's making a movie for them. Cool. Uh, I hope
2: this thing isn't too expensive.
1: They're remaking Three Men and a Baby and Sword in the Stone. What?
2: Well, Sword in the Stone we knew.
1: Yeah. But Three um, Men and a Baby? They're not going to have any R-rated movies on their streaming service. Well, that's bullshit. Well, okay, name a Disney R-rated movie that they're going to really no care Country about. Country
2: for Old Men. Oh, wait, no, that's Paramount Vantage and Miramax after right. the Disney split. Yeah. Pulp um, Fiction. It's made under Disney tutelage.
1: Yeah, but they're not going to put that on the service. Like the whole point <laughs> of the service is to sell it to every family in that the is, country. It is true. It makes total sense. If it's sixty. Because if you can do, if you can do everything that's not rated R, you, I mean, shit. So you then can put that, Jurassic Park on there. You can put so everything the, on. There.
2: But when the Fox deal goes through, those, so then that means Deadpool won't be on there.
1: Yeah, but it means that they're just going to go put that on Netflix. Okay, cool. Or on Hulu, which they own two thirds of. Right, like they they have plenty of out, you know. Uh I own everything. Ha (laughs) ha Um and then yeah. Anyway. Um that's that. Um something something Cloverfield 4, something something. We'll talk about that later. And then uh Black Dynamite (laughs) is not really Black Dynamite 2, it's Outlaw Johnny Black. (laughs) Uh it is a it is a Western Black Dynamite. Um I'm in. Which so, sounds great. So it's Blazing Saddles too. It's, no, it's, no. Um, it is. No, no, no. It is better than if they had just made a Black Dynamite 2. Like, this sounds perfect. Like, take that that same sort of, you know. The way they're
3: kind of doing what Edgar, Edgar Wright and uh, that team did is they went and did like different genre send ups. Yes. Um into a you know, the Cornetta trilogy, so this might be a black exploitation trilogy.
1: Oh, I thought you were just gonna say this is the black trilogy. <laughs> um oh, they could do a horror film for the third
2: one, like a blackula. Yeah, maybe absolutely, yeah.
1: yeah I mean you could fun. do a lot more with it, right? Like, um yeah. This sounds great. I'm excited. Yep. Uh I just wanna see like I wanna see some of the early photos and stuff like that. Like, I that's did that before I came back from the moon, bitch. <laughs> man. Uh, so good. Yeah, that's gonna be great.
2: I still maintain Black Dynamite has my favorite evil plot by a bad guy of all time.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so. good. I need to go back and rewatch so that clever. film. It's been a long time.
2: And he fights Nixon.
1: Awesome. Is there like a really awesome Blu-ray version of Black Dynamite?
2: I think so.
3: I have it. Do you have it? No? Yeah.
1: Oh okay. god. Yeah. Uh, I will have to. I will have to order that because I don't own it.
3: Is it not on Amazon?
1: It might be. I don't know. I'm just not looking at it right now. Uh, anyway, I think that's. Uh, I think that's news. Unless um, I missed something. Anyone?
3: can't think
2: of anything
1: uh, uh, great yeah as long as i didn't offend brad that's the only thing that matters what
2: oh you always offend him Yeah, <laughs> it's
3: 14 bucks on amazon right now sweet sweet will do spot
1: <laughs> uh cool so hey guys w- what have you been watching so uh yeah this is the stuff we've been watching Brad, what have you been watching?
3: It's actually out of stock though, so sorry. sorry to get oh, your hopes son up of like a that. bitch! My life, eBay here I go. Temporarily, uh, what I have I been watching? Maybe because
1: everybody else is doing the same thing I am. Yeah, <laughs> they're hearing us. <laughs>
3: All right, so um, I watched Gotham by Gaslight, the new DC animated. Oh, cool! Nice. How was it? Is it good? Um, it's it's interesting. It's more of a uh, it's mostly a you know what would Victorian uh, times look like with Batman in it. So most of the time I'm just looking like, Oh cool. They turned, you know, poison Ivy into this, uh, prostitute. And then Catwoman's, uh, like a stage star, um, who yeah. helps out people in the narrows on this, like as a vigilante. Um, Hugo strange is more of a,
1: he's just a regular doctor in that time, which right. is also a horror character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I
3: was most impressed with like the twist at the end. Hmm. Because the whole time I'm looking for, like, okay, well, what's the Joker going to be? Well, clearly the villain's the Joker, right? And then they have Harvey Dent in there being vil- nefarious. I'm like, oh, it's probably him instead, because it's not the Joker. How is his face screwed up? It's not. He's, he's just he's just He's, just, just, Dent. he's a two-faced person. Oh, yeah, fair. So while he's friends with Bruce Wayne, he's secretly trying to get Bruce Wayne incarcerated. Gotcha. So that he can uh, oh, live his life. Um, what
1: a... Backstabbing asshole.
3: Yep. Uh, who else is there? Uh, oh, the 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 three Robins are just kind of street urchins <laughs> that start out, you know, pulling.
1: They're, are they like his army of like street urchins that he uses to like escape or or help get things done? By the end, he like he like calls on Oliver Twist in order to.
3: Initially, they're grifting some old man in the street, and then Batman oh, comes sure. and stops him. He's like, "Hey, you know, turn your life around." Yeah. And then by the end, turn they're your like,
1: life around. Grift people for me. <laughs>
3: Um, yeah. So it, it's it's more of interesting, just like oh, here's a, here's how they twisted that into. So it's like David Copperfield, but with Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's Gotham by Gaslight. So, the, sure so the, the twist
1: is f- finding out who's who Joker is,
3: or who the villain is. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it, it's a couple layers deep, so I'm not gonna. Okay, you'll tell me afterwards. Yeah, okay. but I was surprised that it was the Joker, and then it wasn't. Uh, to, uh harvey dent so that's so like, oh, would, that's an interesting way to go
1: would you recommend it like f- to somebody like me who like you know we'll watch one of these animated batman movies every now and then is this one i should check out
3: Yeah, i think you should watch it uh, okay. i bought it so but yeah. I, I don't know if it's like you, you have to buy it you know okay cool. um and i mean it's it's based on the uh i think graphic novel or, or miniseries comic so mm-hmm. i'm sure you already know what's gonna happen like it's it's really about the, the uh twisting the, the the Batman characters into vic- Victorian times and yeah. and then the 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 final twist. And if you know those two things already it's not gonna give you anything new. Cool. So
2: I bet it looks beautiful
3: though. It looks nice, yeah. They have some cool uh things that they do with fire does, animation.
1: Does ca- does calendar man show up but he's he's using the Mayan calendar? <laughs>
3: I don't think they used the Mayan calendar back then either. I don't know. <laughs> uh then I also I have this uh sort of fascination with like music bands that um like go through style changes throughout sure. their lineage. Yeah. Um and uh so on Netflix there's a documentary for the for Chicago? Oh, sure. <laughs> um and it's actually I guess it was a CNN documentary a couple of years ago when they got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Cool. But uh yeah, it's... uh they have They've released, like, 31 albums in their, I think, 40, 50-year history of being Holy a band. shit. And they did one every year when they came out from, like, I think 1967 up to, like, the 80s. Like, they produced a band or an album with new songs, like, every year. Um,
2: That's efficient.
3: <laughs> yeah, and that kind of workload. And they started out as, like, a cover band, and they would just do cover songs at bars until they were like, this is... We hate this. We're just gonna make our own way, and we're gonna play our own songs. And much like Sebastian from La, La Land, he would in, they would slip in their own songs. Yeah. Get fired. and then Eventually, <laughs> just took did their own act. Um, and uh, yeah, and obviously that kind of schedule, making you know a new album every year, lots of drugs and yeah, uh, stupid behavior, um, which ultimately led to I didn't know the 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 death of their lead guitarist Terry hmm. Kath. Um, was playing ra- playing around with a gun and shot himself in the head. <laughs> oh, my God. So That's
1: terrible. Uh, uh, this is why you don't play with guns on Coke.
3: Yep.
2: That's why you just don't do the drugs, period. And
3: yeah, if you just don't the do the drugs. <laughs> he was like, no, it's fine. Look, the clip is out of the gun and forgot there was one chambered. So. Right, yeah. yeah. As there usually is. Uh, so, yeah, that threw the band into turmoil, and then they got dropped by their label, and they picked up a new producer, and their new producer thought Peter Cetera... Was the direction the band should go, and because they were desperate for you know a hit album, they were like, "Okay, we'll play these songs." He's responsible for stuff like "If You Leave Me Now" and "Hard to Say I'm Sorry." Um, so you know, throughout the '80s, that was a bit of like, uh, "Hey, we we don't like playing these songs for this one guy uh, <laughs> who was our bassist." <laughs> so in a rare move, bassist to frontman, yeah. um, and yeah. In, like, 85, he bailed, and they haven't done anything since. In huh. fact, they didn't even play together at the Hall of Fame induction. Wow. So. Crazy. But, yeah, I always wondered, like, you know, they they were a jam band first, and then they're, like, adult contemporary top 40. Yeah. Um, and I actually saw them play uh, at Red Rocks with Huey Lewis and the News. No shit. And they didn't play Soterra's songs. <laughs> <laughs> so That's cool, though. Yeah. But, yeah, it was interesting. Interesting 50-year career span. Yeah, um, and th- there's been tons of like band member changes since the '80s. So, cool. Um, a lot they don't even go to.
1: Was that on Netflix or it
2: was you on get
3: Netflix? It? Sweet. Yeah. Um, Who
2: knows? Maybe you could be the next member of Chicago, Brad. I was, think they're good. What was it? What was it <laughs> called again?
3: Uh, I forget. Like it was weird because oh, okay. I watched it, but didn't like you know after it says like previously watched, I couldn't find it again. Yeah. So, but it's like I think it's never too old or something. the the story of Chicago or something
1: now more than ever.
3: That might be it. The history of Chicago. There you go. Now more than ever. Yeah.
1: Cool. That sounds good. Yeah.
3: Um, and then I've, I think I'm one episode away from finishing star Trek discovery for the season. Oh snap. And did it get worth it? It's, it's interesting. Um, it's, it's not groundbreaking, like say next generation. Um, but the story is interesting enough that I'm, you know, I'm following along each week. So yeah, um, I hope like in season two they kind of like challenge. Uh, I mean, they d- they've done plenty of, like challenging character norms and Star Trek tropes um, in this season, but I hope hopefully more like narratively, like because this season is really it just seems more about like war and revenge. As like uh and in and, and just doing send ups to Star Trek things like the Mirror Universe, um, I just I just hope they go back to exploring like ideas and uh yeah shining a mirror on modern times.
1: Is it is it pretty serialized or is it
3: kind oh, of oh it's so serialized okay. it's it's yeah each episode connects to the next one directly gotcha. like like leaves off starts again, um yeah. Hmm. And then the other thing I uh, did was play Rocket League all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> which is a ton of fun i'm toying with giving out my fr- we friend code on the internet right now or er, switch friend code yeah uh because i want people to play me in my my dome. <laughs> yeah they road that game is great yeah
1: it's really good so
3: cool. that's
2: all I,
1: all I watched sweet zach what have you been watching um
2: not as much as i have the past couple of weeks. Thank god. Um so uh but there was something from last week that I wanted to mention that I didn't talk about. Um sure. Netflix has the new series Dirty Money. Oh um, yes on keep, it which I is, keep uh, almost watching that. So it's a documentary series and it lasts like each episode's about roughly an hour to an hour and ten minutes and it's six different directors. First one's directed by Alex Gibney and it's about the Volkswagen um situation where they were cheating on their uh efficiency numbers. Yeah. Uh and each episode has a different theme. One's about um uh, payday loan scam uh, There's one about Trump at the end And it's more about his business dealings And But the Trump episode is not the most interesting one The one before it is about uh, A big heist Of Canadian maple syrup um, from, Because there's a Federation of maple syrup distribution In Quebec, Canada And it If you don't play by the Federation's rules And you sell outside of their distribution center You're selling syrup On the black market like maple syrup is a big deal there and i the only reason i knew about this and uh was fascinated by it is because they talked about it on smodcast in the early days huh so um like or maybe not even the early days like maybe as early as like a three or four years ago yeah um on one of their episodes but they don't like kevin and moj didn't talk about it like in detail yeah so this was interesting like it's i will say like We don't have like a – the nerdies don't have a best documentary short subject category, rightfully so, because how often are we seeing those? Yeah. But I would give this the nerdy right away for it because it is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen that's under an hour. That's cool. Um, So it's pretty good. And, yeah, so I would check it out. Um, I uh, watched a couple of things on Netflix because they were just there. Um, First one was Exorcism of Emily Rose, which I hadn't seen in forever that movie still rocks. Um, very underrated. I think, um, what I, what I, what I love about it this time is that I was more focused on the fact that it's not really a horror movie so much as it's a procedural movie that happens to have horrific things in it.
1: Didn't someone awesome make that movie? Yeah. Scott Derrickson. Uh, that's right. Local, yeah.
2: Local 303 boy. Cool. Um, and then I, um, on Netflix also, I, um, uh, saw 24 or one of the, that was not on Netflix. Sorry. Um, But I saw 24 by 36, which is a movie about um, movie posters. Which I
3: don't get because movie posters are 27 by 40. They they
2: explain that because it's not it's not about theatrical movie posters. Like that's like the first 20 minutes. The rest of it's about the screening, uh, the screen print industry that started with Mondo and then kind of blew up into different things. It's more of a. I would say it's actually more of a Mondo commercial or a commercial for modern graphic artists because yeah. that's what it really really is. They don't spend a lot of time on the art of movie posters. Like the Drew Struzan one is a better fit if yeah. you're looking for that. This is about the f- the the present and the future of um movie advertising because essentially like they talk about the potential of it being a bubble that'll burst. They talk about how the studios don't want they don 't want to risk spending the money on good art because then people apparently will think it 's a cartoon <laughs> if they think it 's if they see it 's illustrated they 'll think it 's a cartoon this is i'm i'm not yeah. shitting you huh. um so like yeah it it was it was pretty interesting it wasn 't like the best documentary i 've seen about um the movie industry but it was it was entertaining enough um i uh i've watched the purge for the first time oh yeah um i think that'll definitely go down as like a, a notable horror ish film like the way a jason or a freddy is in terms of this generation because we don't really have like those things outside of jigsaw we really don't have those um, franchises that yeah. much anymore um but as far as it as a movie i think this concept is really good and i think the script in terms of the story, is really interesting. I think that it is very choppily edited. Like, it's a very short film. Like, it's only huh. about an hour and 28 minutes. Yeah. Um. So it's a very kinetic movie. It's very energetic. Um. It it really does not stop for a second. And so, as a result, while I understand most of this universe, I don't understand other elements. Like, there's a twist at the end of the movie why Ethan Hawke's family is being invaded in the movie. And, I mean, it kind of makes sense. It kind of doesn't. Like, it, it just... In this universe, you can kill anybody for one night. Like, yeah. it would have probably been scarier if the people who are trying to kill him didn't have a legitimate reason. Right. I would say. So, but um, it makes me want to see the other ones just out of curiosity. My sister likes them. So, hmm. um, and is,
1: I, is the new one the fourth one or the third one? It's a
2: prequel, I guess. It shows you the first purge.
1: But I mean, um, how many? How many have they made? Have they made? Th- there's, there's
2: three so far. So this okay. new one's gonna be the fourth, the fourth one, one, but it's gonna be okay. a prequel. So. All that stuff. Um, I rewatched Hitchcock, the um, oh. Alfred, H- uh, Alfred Hitchcock biopic. I love that movie uh, with uh, Anthony Hopkins and Helen Mirren. I still think that's my favorite Helen Mirren movie of all time. Um, she's like, great, yeah. Because like it's, like I could say the Queen or F- Furious Eight, you know, I could see all these things. But at the end of the day, like she's she's trying. She's essentially managing to one up Anthony Hopkins playing Alfred Hitchcock. By making, by giving a better performance in a way. Like mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins is good in the movie, but she's great in the movie. So it's, and, um, and I was thinking about it, like, cause the first time I saw this was actually just before I went on for the first time with you guys. Um, the comedic styling I enjoyed, but I did enjoy the, there's some dark elements, but it's primarily a comedy. Um, and there's apparently another one that I need to watch on HBO called The Girl, which is about, um, him making the birds with Tippy Hedren and it's Toby Jones playing Alfred Hitchcock. Hmm. The only reason that I haven't watched it is apparently like we know I know Hitchcock had a thing for blondes and whatnot but apparently in the girl they just portray him to be an utter Harvey Weinstein-esque rapist so mm-hmm. which I'm like I'm fairly sure the man had no libido at this point in his life and it's been attested to by several people in interviews so you made a you, you kind of made an exploitation film out of Hitchcock's life in that regard Um. so but whatever um, also on the Hitchcock front, I finally saw the documentary Hitchcock Truffaut um, on HBO, which is um, about the very, very famous film schoolish book, where Francois Truffaut, the film director from France, sat down and interviewed Hitchcock for an entire week, going through each and every one of his films up till hmm. that point in 1963. Um, it's good, but it's good if you don't know what that book is. And I've read that book many times. Yeah. Um, so cause it's essential. It's very essential. They don't play a lot of the interviews. It's really about helping you understand why that book is important mm. and helping you. If you don't know who Hitchcock is to introduce who he is. And if you certainly don't know who Francois Truffaut is, they give you an idea of what Truffaut's like. And mm. there's a lot of like talking heads and whatnot. It's Martin's Scorsese, Wes Anderson's interviewed in it. Yeah. Um, Paul Schrader, like I, I, it doesn't break any ground or anything. Like it would have been interesting to see, like, I don't know if if they had filmed the audio recording of those
1: interviews. It sounds like it, it's it's more like a good introduction if you don't already know. If you're already in, it's not.
2: It's a great promo for a great book. No.
1: It's almost, in my opinion, kind of like that Spielberg documentary last year, where that like, yes, I watch it and go like, yeah, this is like. A pretty surface like, hey man, Spielberg's great and you're like, Yeah, but okay. It's you like, know?
2: Yeah, but I knew this already. Right. Um I also saw a movie that Ryan uh uh put on his nineteen eighty six list called Night of the Creeps, mm, which yeah. is uh directed by Fred Decker from the Monster Squad fame and, and Robocop working, three. And Robocop Ooh. three and working with Shane Black. So he's cool. Shane Black Red. And it's a great movie. You you would like this if you haven't seen it. Okay. Um I it's haven't. It's a it's an interesting film that manages to blend uh an alien movie, a nineteen fifties axe murderer movie, and a uh nineteen eighties zombie movie. All into one and it's seamless and it doesn't it doesn't feel weird at any point, except for the beginning because the aliens at the beginning look very, very strange and they are clearly midgets in costumes. Aww. Um little people, sorry. Yeah. Watch my tongue. Um but Tom Atkins is in it and he plays uh an alcoholic cop because he's always an alcoholic everything. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's Tom Atkins in a nutshell. Yeah. But he's I, I always love him in Halloween three, but I think I like him in this movie way more. Mm. Uh like this was this is this is a fun performance. Huh. Um and uh it's got some great effects too. Like in the I think it's got in a way, I think I like it more than Monster Squad to some degree. And thats I know that sounds sacrilege because Monster huh. Squad's a great film, but I like this. I, fa- I feel like this film is what Monster Squad was for me as a kid. This is um, it, this is for me as an adult, you know, because so, it's a little bit more leaning toward the darker side. And he's got cute little horror homages in there, like the characters are named after famous film directors from the 70s and 80s, so. Uh, it's fun. If you haven't seen it, you can check it out on Shudder right now, uh, the oh, cool. um, horror streaming service, which is only five bucks a month. Um, and the last thing I watched was something you loan me. <sighs> I'm not going to eat the fucking candy because I saw Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters for the first Hell
1: time. Hell yeah, dog.
2: That movie has no right being good, that good. Like it's, Seriously, it's a crime that that movie is that good.
1: <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. Like so, You walk out of that film and you're like, why did I just have fun for two hours? Yeah,
2: so like... It, it, I'm not gonna go too far into it because you've talked about it plenty of times. But if you don't know what this is, it's Hansel. And the the beginning of the movie is Hansel and Gretel go into the candy house, get, are enslaved by the witch, only to have them kick the witch's ass and put him, put her in the oven.
1: Yeah, they they get one up on on the witch and and like shove get behind her, her and shove her into the oven. Yeah, and then so and, and then, then it goes into this like awesome Sherlock Holmes like
2: yeah Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes esque like. Dog. So it's funny, the music, so the music was like a combination of like what I felt was like Tim Burton and Hans Zimmer's score for Sherlock Holmes. Yes, absolutely. And so absolutely. I was like wondering, I'm like, well, this is, sounds like, is this Danny Elfman or Hans Zimmer? It's got to be one of these two. And it's, so it's not them, but then there's a credit that pops up, music executive producer Hans Zimmer. So I'm like, what? <laughs>
1: like, did, yeah.
2: Did he just supervise it and go, more strings? More yeah. blah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so it's basically now they're grown up and they fight witches with... Inexplicably big and hilarious guns and bow, co- bow crossbows and stuff like that.
1: And their their first line in the film is "Let the girl go, or you bro- or we'll blow your shell- sheriff's brains all over these fucking hillbillies." <laughs> and you're like, they walk in from another film. <laughs> like it's basically if you took Van Helsing and then you had some badass, you had like Snake Plissken and somebody else and like Girl Snake Plissken pop in from a different film. With literally, they have shotguns. Mm -hmm. Like they have technology not of the time. I don't know
2: if they would call it a shotgun. It's like a. It's if you look at it closely, it looks like they taped a bunch of shotguns together, right? Or tied them together with loose string or tight string. I don't know to make a super gun.
1: Sure. (laughs) So they (laughs) use this. Weird. They use this shot hyphen gun to kill things all the time mm-hmm. um and it's just amazing it's exactly it you didn't know how much you wanted this film
2: so yeah and like so like the the opening happens and it's actually really well shot and like it's so weird it's like it's a great version of what I think the Brothers Grimm movie that Terry Gilliam did wanted to be. Yes. Um, yeah. And then, so, like, I'm wondering, like, who made this? Like, and then, sure enough, executive producers Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh! And sure enough, like, when you get into the first scene, it sounds pretty much like an SNL sketch. It's,
1: it's it, clearly a, It's the premise like... of
2: an SNL sketch that got expanded into a somehow very efficient and fun film. Yeah. Um, Like, there's a scene where Jeremy Renner... Um, goes into the woods to look for Gretel, and he runs into the woman that she that he saved in the beginning, and he's he's like a loner guy, and he's just like you know I work alone and whatnot, but then he's got to go bathe in the, the bathe in the river for some reason, and she, this woman gets naked, and this Jeremy Renner just starts fucking her, and like but then you find out that that woman he just fucked is a witch and he can't stand witches guys but she's so a good he, witch so yeah but but he's still conflicted because he's like oh, I had sex with a witch but I hate witches
1: you're you're pretending too hard that there's great character development
2: here <laughs> <laughs> i want a- i want this to i want to know in my heart, that Jeremy Renner sat down and prepared for this role like Daniel Day Lewis does for everything. <laughs> no,
1: no um, one was prepared for this film. Oh, they all walked in oh, and were oh, like, and "The troll,
2: the troll is really yes. cool too." And, then yes. it's, and it, it's practical, like yes. it, yeah, it's it is amazing. it's really cool. Um, the only criticism I have is that in a movie that could be even bloodier, a lot of the blood looks extremely fake. Like uh, like it looks sure. like it's After Effects um, blood.
1: It, no, it's totally After Effects blood. It was also released in 3D at the time. It, oh. was, it was during that, so it was 2013, okay. and it was during a time when everyone was converting stuff to 3D. Mm-hmm. So they wanted the the blood to come at you. Okay, um, so that's fine. Yeah.
2: Um, and then like also this is this was a great. I thought this was a very clever addition to the script. Is that? It, so because Hansel, when he was a kid. Was fed so much candy, he got sick. He got the sugar sickness. But it's witch candy. It's witch candy. No, I said. But I'm I'm gonna just say, he has to inject himself every every day, like every every couple of hours, or he dies. It's diabetes, guys. Yeah, they, they've managed to take the Hansel and Gretel and just poke all the holes in it. Like if they if those kids ate that much candy. When they get diabetes.
1: <laughs> it's ridiculous.
2: It's ridiculous. Oh, and the ending is awesome. And Famke Jameson's really good in it too, but great. I I she came out of nowhere and she's and she's committing to it. That's the thing. Like she's doing what she did for Dark Phoenix in the last stand yes. and realizing that she shouldn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, um she's chewing scenery. Yeah, and um it's it's great and it's a brisk watch. Like it's it's a slick 80-minute movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's an extended cut, but if there is, I want to see it. <laughs> I want to see what they would have cut
1: out. I think the Blu-ray is quote unrated, but it's like they put one scene in. Like it's okay. not, it's not like there's anything great. I think there might be like there's some not more a three-hour
2: version of this movie.
1: No, I think there might be more blood. There might be a little more gore in like the the bar sequence at the beginning. I mean, it's already rated um, R. But,
2: yeah. I don't see how you could be any worse. It was just you know.
1: There's that thing where they think that if they put unrated on something, that more teenagers are gonna buy it or rent it or whatever. I don't know.
2: That's fair. And it and there's moments of it that truly look terrifying, like when the kids are locked up in there, yeah, in the cave and whatnot. I'm like, this is like extremely dark. Like, and you see like a bowl, like the, the witches eat the kids, like eyeballs, brains, and bloods and whatnot. They throw out a bowl of it, and it's right after a shot of these kids in cages. I'm like, this is all dark, man. Like, this oh yeah. Is. And yet, but then we cut back to them being goofy and like hi, hilariously like slow-mo action
1: sequences like it's yeah. it's, it's really fun i it's i awesome. do recommend some, you watch this. some film. might say it's the number 10 best film of 2013
2: yeah now i understand why you put it there and, you know so it's great i will never doubt you again until i do really? the, until i do the next okay. time <laughs> let me so tell anyway. you about
1: let me tell you about how bad there will be blood is yeah so uh, that's all
2: i uh that's all i watched this week
1: cool Uh, I only saw a couple of things, uh, really only two that I'll I'll talk about. The first one is I started watching Altered Carbon, Altered Carbon, the uh, the Netflix show. Was that Carbon Um, Altered? Shut up! (laughs) Just stop. Uh, (laughs) um, It's the show. It's got uh, Joel Kinnaman, uh, who's the guy from The Killing. If you watched The Killing, anyway, um, it's basically. Oh, that's right. He was also in the RoboCop remake. Yeah. Um, so this show wants so badly to be Blade Runner. Like, so bad. Uh, and I at least can appreciate that enough that, like, I think this movie's, or the show's pretty decent. I'm about halfway through the first season. Um, and I, early on, I had a few things where I was like, ooh, like, just, like, there's this one woman who's, like, you can tell, like, she's going to end up being his friend, but she's also the cop who doesn't trust him at the beginning. And, like, I feel like her performance is pretty bad. And I kind of hate the way her character's written. Um, but over time, like, they start introducing some other friends. Because the other thing is, like... So, okay, let me give you some premise. So, the it takes place, like, 300 years in the future. And, uh, basically, the vi- everybody has a disc in their neck that has all of your personality and every, all your memories in it. So, if you die... Other than that disc getting broken, if you get shot in the head or you get, you know, shot and bleed out, they're just going to pop that disc out of your neck and put you in a different body. Um, If you're poor, they're just going to put you in any body they have available. So, like, there's even a shot in the first episode where he's, like, walking through a jail and he's just gotten a new body and he's, like, this buff ripped dude, like, because somebody rich wants him, clearly. So they gave him, like, this buff body that's, like, trained in combat. He's actually, like, from the flashbacks, he's actually, like, an Asian guy, but then they put him in Joel Kinnaman. It's, like, it's a great metaphor for whitewashing. Um, anyway, so he's walking through this prison, and there's this old lady, and her parents, who are young, show up. And you realize that, like, this little girl was killed, and the only body they had available was this sort of middle-aged woman. So they put this little girl, like, 12-year-old girl, in a middle-aged woman's body, because that's just what they had. Like, the poor people just kind of get shafted with whatever's around um, if you're, it seems like, I don't think this has been confirmed, but like if you're a criminal, what they'll do is they'll just pop your, your disc out and put you on a shelf for 200 years and then they'll give your body away. And then in 200 years you might get a new body and like that's sort of your punishment. Um, so some of those bodies are, you know, like, like in one of the episodes, a guy like comes back for a day or so and he's in like this big thug body. Um, you know, so I think they haven't deliberately said that, but I think that's what they're insinuating. Um, mm-hmm. But then, of course, the rich all have these really nice bodies that they take or they'll even have themselves cloned and backed up so that they can never die they're, you know. Um, so in this first episode, of course, what do you do in a story like that? Well, you go get this guy who's a badass from the past to solve a murder mystery because someone was sort of murdered. Uh, and the guy who hires or the, the person who hires him is the murderer. So this is where it's kind of cool. This is when I started to get into it was – the in, You learn this in the first episode, that the person who woke him up and gave him this nice body is, like, the richest dude in town because he's backed up, like, every 45 minutes so that he can never really die. But someone murdered him, and so he doesn't know who because he's just a clone backup from 45 minutes before his death. So he doesn't know who murdered him, and whoever it was might still be out there trying to really murder him because if you, like, if you shoot them and you blow up the disc, then the person's really dead, you know? Um, so he wants our, our Blade Runner dude to figure out, like, to solve this murder mystery, even though the guy is still alive. It's really kind of cool. Um, but, like, some of the sci-fi-ness is kind of schlocky. They, um, they kind of turn a lot of things up to 11, so there's a lot of just, like, you know, him walking down the street, and there's just, like, you know, CG prostitutes or like whatever, you know, everything is, is as extreme as they can make it. Um, and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's like, okay, whatever, like just move on. Um, but it's, I would say I would recommend it. I think it's kind of cool. Um, I'm excited to finish it and, and get to the end here in the next week. Sounds or so sounds like Blade Runner meets get
2: out. <laughs> that sounds it's, like Blade
3: Runner, uh, Blade Runner meets free Jack.
1: Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> really f- very free Jack. um, and it's, I mean, you just look at it at any time. There's a lot of shots of, there's a lot of over the shoulder, about 10 feet behind him shots of him walking through a dark, but very neon lit city at night. And sometimes it's wet and you're like, okay, okay, we get it. You guys really like Blade Runner. And that's kind of okay. Cause they're doing it. They're doing a decent job. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely time. Oh, and then the other thing is I was very afraid early on that he was just not going to have any friends. And I was like, dude, if your only way of characterizing this guy is through flashbacks, this is going to suck. Uh, and luckily, there's a lot of that. But there's also like they're starting to introduce some other like sidekicky people. But because he's been asleep for like 200 years, it's kind of hard to give him, you know, he doesn't have anybody. So they have to just introduce everyone. Um, so it's it's growing on me for sure. Uh, and then over the weekend, so we we went up to Fair Play and went, you know, hiking and, and doing fun mountain stuff during the day. And then in the evening when it's dark and it's cold, you take a big stack of movies and you watch a movie in a cabin. And it's great. Uh, so I took a big stack. And uh, Brooks and I have watched enough things that, like, there's some stuff that's fun left. You know, things that, like, I would need her to see, like, Clue. So we watched Clue this weekend. Um, but I've started slipping some weird shit into the stacks. Tusk. Just to see. <laughs> fuck no. <laughs> Not ever. Not once. Uh, Just say no. I did put Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters in there, but we did not watch it. Okay. But we watched something almost as pleasantly surprising as Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Uh, This is a film directed by a man named John Stockwell, who you may know from Blue Crush or Kickboxer Vengeance, the 2016 classic. Um, Unfortunately, he's come down a long way since he made 2005's Into the Blue, uh, starring Paul Walker and Jessica Alba. Um, I haven't, I own this movie and I haven't seen it in probably do. five or six years and I forgot how fucking decent this film is. Um, like it's a fun adventure film. Now you look at the cover and you're like, this is just Jessica Alba and Paul Walker naked the imagine, whole time.
3: I just imagine you be like, huh, this is going to mess with the stack so, so much. And then are oh. like, Oh wait, this is decent. No, what was I thinking?
1: Yeah, well, and and I slipped it in there, thinking like this is a funny thing, but she'll never want to watch this piece of shit. Because look at this cover. The cover is just Paul Walker and Jessica Alba in swimsuits, like looking as sexy and greased up as they can. They're about to go um, into the blue. <laughs> and yet, so into the blue tells the story of uh, Paul Walker, who literally is so poor. How poor is he? His boat. Is is just a sunk boat? Like it's the saddest looking sunk boat it could possibly be. But he's a treasure hunter in his heart. They all Um, are. He so his girlfriend. They're already they're already a couple. So you don't have to go through some annoying like romance story. Uh, His girlfriend is Jessica Alba, and she works at a like zoo, like a marine biology zoo, and they live in the Bahamas. Uh, And she's big into sharks. So like at the beginning, like she's petting sharks and teaching kids about how safe sharks are, and um. Or, you know, how safe they can be. Like, they're not just out there to eat people all the time, you know? Um, and uh, and then, um, uh, oh, shit, what's his name? Um, uh, Josh Brolin. So, Josh Brolin's in this movie, which at the time this was made, Josh Brolin was that guy from the Goonies. Like, this was before he erupted again and became famous again. Um and he plays like this big time treasure hunter dude right so, so he's
2: like Sean Bean to Paul Walker's Nicolas Cage
1: yeah okay uh so Scott Conn comes in and Scott Conn is Paul Walker's brother and Scott Conn is like hey man i'm here i'm a i'm like a a a defense attorney to drug dealers in Miami and as payment they gave me like access to this big house and this like cool speedboat and shit so they're out having fun and they're diving around and they find some stuff. They find some things that make them think like, hey, man, I think we found a, a, a treasure at the bottom of the sea, right? But then while they're down there, they also find a plane, and the plane is full of cocaine, and, they're, and it's right next to their treasure, and they're like, oh, <laughs> shit, what are we going to do? So they come up, and Jessica Alba, you know, t- t- straight shooter, doesn't Gee. want to screw up at all. She's like, no, man, we're going to do what's right. Like, there's dead people in that plane. It's a recent crash. Like, we should report this. But Paul Walker's like, man, if we report this, then they're going to go down there and they might find our crash. Like, we need to find something that says what boat this is so we can lay claim to the find and then report the plane is there. Because it's clearly drug runners. Like, who cares about them? They're dead, you know. But let's, let's do this. So they agree. So they're digging down there and all that. <laughs> drug dealers' lives matter. But Ashley Scott... Who is just, who is Scott Con's like stupid girlfriend? Of course she's yes. the worst. Yep. And she steals some of the cocaine, and she goes because they don't have enough money to get like good equipment to pull up all their treasure, right? And they're having so much fun looking for treasure, but they're not very good at it yet because they don't have giant fans. They need giant fans. So they, she goes and she's like, "I'm gonna steal some some cocaine and sell one block of cocaine to a drug dealer." Well, of course, the drug dealer she goes to try to sell it to, it was his cocaine in the first place. <laughs> So now there's like they start kidnapping Jessica Alba and they start like doing all kinds of shit to fuck with Paul Walker's life and he's doing his best to give a good performance in a silly adventure action movie um and it's pretty decent and then there's a whole action scene at the end oh uh I won't spoil the the one cool twist about this movie but there's a cool twist in this movie um and then there's a pretty good fight scene at the end where like Jessica Alba has been tied up, and she breaks herself free, kicks the shit out of a bunch of dudes. Like, doesn't get rescued by Paul Walker, not because he's not trying, just because like I don't need to rescue her; she's gonna be fine. Like, she beats people up with you know tanks and shit, and it's awesome. There's um, a deleted
2: scene where she said, "Stop taking my hand," and that's where Daisy Ridley really got the idea for the the Force Awakens, right?
1: No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, she could take it's him great. Himself, man. <laughs> it's fantastic. This movie is decently fun like on a almost as fun as sahara with matthew mcconaughey i saw it. maybe as fun as sahara with matthew mcconaughey it's just that the marketing was terrible because the marketing was nothing but jessica alba doing this in the water which you can't see my hand on the podcast but it was like she was swimming upward in a in a sexy motion and like that was the whole marketing campaign for the film Mm -hmm. um but when I, i i saw it i was working at blockbuster i believe um And one of the guys there was like, "No oh, man, you should check this out. It's pretty okay. And sure enough, I own it to this day because this movie is pretty okay. You should see Into the Blue.
2: I haven't seen it since the one and only time I saw it.
1: It's okay. If I remember it correctly,
2: John... I'd rather watch Sahara again. <laughs>
1: no, you should watch them both. They're both good. Okay, fine. I'll um, do a double feature. John, John Stockwell the... deserves a better career than Kickboxer f- sequels. The
2: way you... Are describing it, and my recollections of it. Maybe Into the Blue should have been the Sahara sequel.
1: Uh, they're very similar. Like they're they're both fun and charismatic, and like you know they've right, got sort right, of a silly right. plot to them. gotta get to that them.
2: cocaine down at the bottom of that
1: plane. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty good. There's some dumb there's some dumb bits, but it's it's mostly great.
2: There are things you can sniff, and there are things you can't. One of them you can't is that cocaine.
1: This week, we saw Cloverfield Paradox, the Cloverfield Paradox, the Netflix, uh, a Netflix film, the Cloverfield Paradox, a Netflix film. That's what we saw.
2: A Netflix release. Brad,
1: should people see the Cloverfield Paradox, a Netflix film?
3: I don't know. I actually tried to watch it before I came to the podcast, and I fell asleep, I think, five five minutes in. Good answer. So... Not a good judgment. I I might be tired. It might be boring. I don't know. It's, it's up to you guys to decide.
1: Okay, Zach. Should people see Cloverfield: A Paradox movie? Actually, <laughs> a paradox.
2: Um, as I've had a week to sit on this, I'm like you guys. Um, frankly, at the end of the day, because it's Netflix, you watching it isn't going to break your wallet, right? <laughs> so, so, so the stakes are not high, guys. Um, true. I enjoy it a lot more than I think other people did but I will admit this movie's kind of a mess. Um not kind of, it is a mess. But that I think it's more fun than half the other sci-fi films I usually get in a yearly basis. Like uh, like it's it's more tolerable than a life or like Yes. We're going to talk about it in spoilers, but I kind of like the way they approach their ideas more than Alien Covenant did. But there's a caveat to that. and We'll talk about it in the spoiler section. Yeah. Um, but if we're talking in the span of Cloverfield, yeah, I'm, this needed to come to Netflix. This, this, <laughs> this would not have like – I I don't think I would have been angry spending 10 bucks, but I wouldn't have been happy either. Like, I don't know. We'll talk about it. Maybe yeah. the discussion would have been worth the 10 bucks. I don't know. Uh, James, should people see the Cloverfield Parabola? Yeah. uh,
1: Yeah, so I was also going to give the same sort of caveat of like, it's free on Netflix, so fuck it, why not? Compensated Um, by
2: watching a shit ton of Orange is the New Black. (laughs) But to say
1: it differently, if my parents were going to watch this or almost anything else, would I tell them to not waste their time with this? Yes, I would. Hmm. Um, I think Cloverfield Paradox has some fun stuff in it. It has some ideas where, as I was watching it, I was like, oh, that's cool, or that's mm-hmm. cool. But it also has some things that are insulting to anyone who has watched a lot of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. If you know anything about space, like, regular oh. things. There's things that this movie gets wrong in a way that is so stupid, it's surprising. I, um, I
2: imagined you seething with rage watching it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, there's, there's yeah. We'll talk about it in spoilers. Um, so if you're somebody who, like, watches sci-fi movies and goes that doesn't make sense or that's not the way space stuff works and that really bothers you don't even touch this film mm-hmm. um i think there's some really cool ideas i also will say i hate everything that has to do with how this movie ties in with other cloverfield films this is them leaning way too heavily on that um 10 cloverfield lane is great because the only connection to cloverfield is the mailbox like nothing about that film ties to the rest of ma- of cloverfield other than tone and a mailbox address um, and all of well, the ways they try to make this universe a whole thing in this film is distracting and terrible and actually threatens to take away from the other great, great films or at least one great, great film and one pretty cool, interesting film in the franchise. So I really hope that they go like for the next two Cloverfield films that they're talking about, uh, one of which is already done filming. Um, my hope is that they barely talk about Cloverfield in it because I really like this as a Twilight Zone franchise and not some kind of weird like we're tying it all together kind of thing um so anyway um here is the trailer Brad I'm sorry we're gonna spoil this shit for you but
3: I'll do my best not to listen
1: I know I'm gonna tell you it's not gonna fucking matter (laughs) um Mm -hmm. so anyway here's the trailer for Cloverfield Paradox in case you weren't watching the Super Bowl. (laughs) Morning, beautiful. Two. Two. I'm getting sick of only seeing you on a screen. One. One. Please (laughs) God.
0: Be on our side. Standing by for your go.
1: Turn that shit on.
2: Fingers
0: crossed. What
2: the
4: hell?
0: the earth it's gone
2: it's big blue full of angry people keep looking you'll find it my god I, 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 I wanted to say like because I, I, that's I'm glad you brought up Ten Cloverfield Lane because I actually told one of that's my a, I told I, one of my friends who doesn't have time to listen to the podcast don't fucking yeah watch it if you want to I there's nothing I can tell you that would tell you not to because at the end of the day it's free on Netflix yeah but Ten Cloverfield Lane like outside of the the mailbox and the possibility of whatever they're fighting in the distance. Being the monster or some part of this transdimensional nonsense, Clover Ten Cloverfield Lane is good because it, besides all the great acting and story and whatnot, it has this ability to exist in a, in a universe that doesn't need to be connected. And then this, and then this one, we, you're right. This, these connections that they make directly to the first one are are a big distraction. If I was focused solely on the spaceship, I would have loved the fuck out of this movie. and I would have found better ways to defend it.
1: I think that's a little hyperbolic because I think what I keep telling people is like, you know, I want Cloverfield movies to be (laughs) things that can stand on their own, Mm -hmm. but this movie still wouldn't stand on its own. Like this movie without the Cloverfield stuff is too critically broken. Or I would say if, especially the ending, if the ending is the way it was, in the original god particle scripts then then yeah this movie was never going to work because i think the ending of this film is pretty damn insulting um it's uh and mostly because you have a character with a pretty with a pretty good plot of mm. it's basically um it follows this woman named what's her name hamilton uh oh, yeah I hamilton yeah. um so hamilton is uh she's a scientist on a space on this big satellite or uh, space station for um like 2 years basically it's the inter-
2: this- isn't it the international space station No 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 it's, oh. I they I,
1: it's actually called the Cloverfield which is okay. dumb Um <laughs> so the the space station has a giant hadron collider on it uh well it's not a hadron collider cuz that's a specific collider it has a giant particle accelerator on it it has a Cloverfield collider <laughs> They're trying to make efficient fusion so that if you because if you can make fusion efficient you have an unlimited source of power um and there is an energy uh shortage on earth mm. that's going on so like there's all these tensions rising and all this these threats of war. And so they're tasked with going up to space, her and and the rest of this team with going up to space on the station. Russia and Germany for two are years. back in battle. <laughs> yeah. So for two years they're up there trying to perfect this system and get it efficient. That's
2: a pretty cool montage, by the way. I will say it I love yeah. that that's a great way to show how much time has gone mm-hmm. instead of dumping it in a bunch of dialogue going like we've been here for two years, man. I don't know yeah. if we can keep doing this, man. <laughs> yeah. So like it was and it was cut really efficiently. I, I I loved it as an like from an editing perspective. I was just yeah. like, "That's
1: pretty cool." It's a kind of weird film because the so it starts with her just in a car on Earth talking to her husband, mm-hmm. um, and he's encouraging her to go. Basically, she doesn't want to go because she doesn't want to like which be by, away from him.
2: Which by the way, that opening dolly shot was pretty fucking terrible. Like, yeah, it looked, so
1: it looked like
2: what I would do on a skateboard when I was 10
1: all just take this chance to say. I think a lot of this movie is pretty terribly shot, and a lot of this movie, it's a good thing it went to Netflix because it looks like a straight to TV movie. And like, I hate,
2: and I hate being like that critical of anything because, like, at the end of the day, like, I know how hard it is to make a movie. But
1: yeah, that being said,
2: J.J. Abrams is giving you money. Use a fucking dolly. Like, yeah, it's know. just not. I don't know. I feel. I, I don't feel know. Bad, I'd don't like to, to know like like a... the
1: story of how this thing got screwed up so much because it's so. It feels. Like the the level of quality that J.J. J. Abrams and Dan Trachtenberg brought to a little script in 10 Cloverfield Lane is completely missing here. And I, I don't know how they got so off track. Um, so that opening scene ends up being relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's got this kind of cool story where her kids died in a fire. Um, because, because she installed some kind of power cell in the house and then because of, oh, she was, st- she was stealing energy from a neighbor basically. Yeah. Um, and that power cell broke and, and burned down the house with the kids in it. Which I, um, I love
2: that concept of energy, like the energy being like so low that you have to resort to that. Yeah. Like those are um, like areas and, like I just, I, I enjoy when we go down that road because it, it, it opens the mind up
1: and it it gives her a great story in this film, like a great character arc and a great character motivation in this film that I feel is genuinely squandered, uh, especially in the third act of the movie. Um, because she actually never gets to make any choices, which is pretty frustrating, at right. least not in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're spinning up this thing and they finally spin it up and they get it to be efficient for the first time, but it like freaks out. And it, it tears a hole in, in space time and throws them into this other dimension. So all of a sudden they can't find the earth, which is the first time this movie is fucking stupid because they can't find the earth. But later when they do find that they, Oh, Hey, we found the earth again. They say, Oh, here, look on the other side of the sun. You had the sun, but you couldn't find the earth. Excuse I me.
2: I, I just imagined when I when I saw that, because I, wa- I watched it literally the next day that it dropped, right? Yeah. So I'm imagining throughout this whole time when I saw that they couldn't see the Earth, they're looking, trying to look through all their cameras. I they was thinking it was
1: like lost in space. They're like on the other side of a galaxy.
2: Yeah, but they, but yeah exactly. But then when that whole thing happened, when it pops up, I just imagined, like, tell almost telepathically that you're like trying to choke the television. Well, like you were, like I imagine oh, you I trying to curious. go in there and smack everyone.
1: Well, by the, the, by the time you they revealed are that, boy here. <laughs> by the time they revealed that, I had already kind of given up on the logic of this film um, because they do it backwards. So they 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 pop you in and they say like, "Oh, the Earth is gone," and I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." Theoretically, like this could be that you just move through time and that you're actually going to do a thing where you're like, oh, well, we moved through time, but the Earth and the solar system move through the galaxy. So if you move through time, you actually are in a completely different place in space. Right. Um, I thought they were going to do something like that because that's what it seemed like. Um,
2: but that's too intelligent
1: for and this film. The, but the movie, the movie at this point still doing OK. Not shot terribly great. Not all the acting's great. Some of the writing is okay, but I'm like, that's all right. You've got some cool idea here you're working with. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's some screaming. This is the coolest part of the movie. There's screaming on the space station, and they're running around. They're like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. And they find this panel, and they can hear screaming coming in from the other side. Yes. And you're like, holy shit. There's a fucking monster. Something's going to crawl out of there. Something bad is going to happen. And they open it up, and Elizabeth Debicki, who I knew was in this movie and was wondering... Wh like where, how she was going to pop up she literally is in the wall with like pipes running in and out of her body like she's been teleported into the wall i know it like, reminded me of
2: like a cronenberg type yes. of thing, like that body horror yeah like a like um what would you call like a video drum like, yeah it's like yeah and it's it's really cool because of like the way it's shot like i didn't see a rating on this but i imagine it would have been nearing an r if they or, yeah like, or a very hard pg-13 remember. But like, it's pretty graphic.
1: It's kind of like a cool ver, like a like a modern version of oh, man, Brad. What's that episode of of Star Trek where somebody gets like teleported during a storm, and so they they end up? It might be OG Star Star Trek, but they they end no. up on the on the uh, on the Enterprise, and they've got like sticks and twigs and shit like embedded in their body, and they fall over dead. Um, there's a thing that happens at some point.
3: Yeah, I I, I know it's. I yeah, mean, there's I can't remember over 170 episodes. to Oh, I know, I know. But but that you can,
1: <laughs> but you remember that shot and how disturbing that is. It's yeah. a similar kind of thing. You only get a few shots of her, and then they like they clearly saw her out and take her to the med bay and like have to pull. You know, I almost wish they'd spent a little more time on like, hey, the the doctor had to pull pipes out of your arms. Um, I just love the idea, and then she's like up walking around. Five minutes later, it's fucking dumb. Well, but, uh,
2: again. Near future, they on a space station with the guard particle. Sure, maybe they have technology to fix your skin, yeah. like Doctor Zolberg does. A take take
1: your cool foam electric metal shit and spray it. <sighs> like, have, a, have a white version and spray it on her and be like, "Hey, her body's better." I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry. Oh no, it was the,
2: bad. the metal foam thing. They
1: were so proud of the metal foam. They
2: they were pimping that. Like it was almost like. Is this a commercial for something we're going to get
1: in the next couple months? Because I don't think it's is that Abrams, useful. Is Abrams going
2: into product marketing and getting away from movies after Star Wars? That's I don't so know. so weird. Um, Chris O'Dowd. Very Chris O'Dowd's the one who's using it all. Yeah. And it's something so I actually he's, love.
1: He's from a different film.
2: He is. But here's the thing. So like he's using that metal foam stuff to fix uh, repairs in the ship, right? And then suddenly. Mostly,
1: it, mostly just pipe joints but then for sub- the
2: record. Yeah, pipe joints, yeah. <laughs> But suddenly, suddenly, to things. suddenly his arm gets pulled through the wall Yeah, and I was liking where it was going for a second because it reminded me of this Event, Horizon. Sto- Event Horizon and also this old um, uh, pulp story that I read once where a guy tries to meld into the wall of a bank to go through the walls to get the money and he uh. gets stuck in the wall and the whole story is about a woman visiting the wall and talking to it. It was a great story. I love it. I oh, need to cool. find it and send it to you. But so I thought, oh wait, cool. Maybe they, maybe they might do something with this, and then it doesn't that because makes no it sense. because it turns out that so, it, t- his arm was meant to do this. I don't understand the rules of this dimension. Okay, so <laughs> what happens
1: is his arm it goes through some kind of dimensional portal, right, and gets severed right. dimensionally. So he has literally like meat and bone at the end of his arm, right? And it's been cauterized,
2: and, guys. There's no blood. I guess it's
1: weird, but the wall also moves around in a weird way. Like the wall's attacking him, which makes no sense to the actual story they're telling. Mm -hmm. Also, like I heard a podcast today where they were talking about how creepy the scene was where the, where the, um, the little dudes on the, you know, that like soccer, the foosball, the little foosball dudes are all swinging around without it. I'm like, that makes no fucking sense. Think about what happens in this movie. Who's spinning those things? What is spinning? Those, those things. Nothing is spinning those things. What are we talking about? Because, well, if
2: if it were to mean something to what's going on on the ship, it would be a creepy and efficient yes, moment. It is. So Wait, isolate, when it happens, but, you're
1: like, oh, man, what's going on on this ship?
2: But it's one of many horror elements in this film that don't pay off in a horror film way, the, which yeah, is because, what you should do because it worked really well the last time in the 10 Cloverfield Lane where he dumps a body in an acid barrel. Yeah. That's straight up horror shit. Right. This film falls so much back on its sci fi and monster movie premise that it loses its potential to be not an alien equivalent, but like a fun little alien nod, you know? Like, yeah. Why not?
1: I will say this movie might be better than life. Well, that's, like, that's, that's,
2: that's, that's no brainer from the way you describe life. I still haven't seen life, but. Yeah.
1: No, well, and I make fun of life a lot. The, my biggest problem the more i move away from this film the more i think about it the less good it can possibly be because so much of what the movie does doesn't make sense or undermines itself so anyway let's move let's move forward in the plot mm-hmm. so his arm gets stuck in the wall and then his arm shows up in a different hallway crawling on its own that's
2: a cool scene too
1: it is but it's not his arm it's clearly the arm of a different dude of of a different version of him from a different dimension that has an answer to how they can find the Earth, mm-hmm. um, so they give it a pencil and it's like writing and it tells them something and then they're like the guy's like oh, I know how to find the Earth yeah cause and a
2: small subplot of someone being a traitor but they're not yeah right Cause yeah because like
1: the one German dude like they're the guy who always plays a Nazi um, Daniel Bruhl he played Zemo yeah uh right he always plays a Nazi he like. They in the real in our version of reality he's a good guy, but in this other dimension they get emails that prove he's a bad guy or some shit. So that's just a red herring for a while. Um, that's kind of useless. And then they so the hand gives them the information to look around the sun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then they figure out okay we're in this other dimension. Elizabeth DeMickey is. Basically, Hamilton from a different dimension where Hamilton stayed home because her kids didn't die. Mm -hmm. This is awesome. This is the moment where you're like, oh, this is why you wrote this movie.
2: That's why I thought there's emotional crux here. Maybe something's something's going to pay off from all this, this silliness. Here's
1: this cool moment of she gets to decide, like, holy shit, I'm in a dimension where my family is whole. Now, I'm also alive, so that's too bad. If if only I'd found a dimension where my family was whole but I was dead, that would be great. Um but so here's this really cool ethical sci-fi question. The reason I like watching sci-fi like this is it. You have wasted my time for 35 minutes, but you finally got or you know, probably f- 45 50 really. I'd say um, 40. Yeah, like 50, it's, yeah. it's it's like end of the second act by the time you find you figure this out. Um and then it just goes nowhere. Like, she decides she's going to stay, and then the rest of the crew ends up dying one way or the other. Um, yeah, it's e- just either like, because oh, shit,
2: we, we forgot we're trying to be a horror movie. It just kills yeah. people.
1: One dude randomly gets worms teleported into his body. I actually thought that was pretty cool. It was cool but it cool doesn't looking. it not, doesn't mean anything. It
2: doesn't but like, I just I I love the idea of that. Either. It has
1: no ramifications on the story. Like, it doesn't make sense with what's going on. You know
2: what they were doing on the set? They were like, "You know what? We love alien." Yeah, we love how it. Can, oh, how it's how totally can, just them Alien. How can alien. we do it different?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, what if like he shoots a bunch of worms out of his mouth? Yeah. Like, okay, that's not great. Uh also, why the fuck did you have so many goddamn worms on this ship? Again, there's what?
2: a lot of things <laughs> that happened that aren't explained like in a way that's frustrating, like whereas in Ten Cloverfield Lane, because I don't know everything, it makes it a better film. Yeah. In this one, I need some answers. It's 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 like I'm it's like sometimes how I feel with Lost or even a Prometheus, where I'm like, guys, you've got to give me, you got to throw me a bone here. Because I'm not like I'm not I'm I'm losing interest. <laughs> so
1: I mean I obviously disagree with you because both the arguments you made are both things that I love. I love. Them I understand too. where you're I coming love them from, too,
2: but... but it's always been a frustration of like yeah. stop giving me five more questions for every one you answer.
1: I don't necessarily need you to give me answers to everything. What I need is for you to a respect me, b respect your characters, and c have this make sense. Mm-hmm. So when the next Which it clearly doesn't follow <laughs> any of those. Yeah. <laughs> then you have a character um, uh, Zhang Ziyi who she uh I thought she was decent in the she film. seemed decent i mean she's she 's always speaking in Mandarin, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of cool, right, and they don 't always um give you what she 's saying, which is right. interesting um so they they figure out like oh we we think we can fix what 's wrong with the collider uh or the particle accelerator and so uh and she 's got to like do some cooling shit, so she goes to this part of the ship and the ship sort of breaks and it fills her room the the modular that she 's in with water and everybody's on the outside like oh no we got to get her out and then the door is cracking and it barely cracks enough that it 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 makes contact with space and the entire module immediately freezes Mm -hmm. which is fucking not how thermodynamics in space works Guys, a human body but can survive in the vacuum of space for, it, like, up to 90 seconds. Like It's a
2: death. Oh, my uh, God, it's so stupid. It's a death that's as dumb as stupid as something you'd see in Jason X. Yeah,
1: exactly. This, <laughs> is, this is stupid space science from the mid-'90s mm-hmm. that everyone who has seen Sunshine already knows isn't true. Like, we all solved this when I was, like, eight, and everybody went to see Mission to Mars— and most people talked about the fact that <laughs> Tim Robbins' death was wrong and not the way that space works. Like, your body cannot transfer heat out of itself fast enough to instantly freeze, Such period. a great pull, like, by the way. You are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are transferring heat into a lack of medium, which means that there, there is no transfer. Right. Like, it doesn't work. So, anyway, so that happens, and that was the moment where I unplugged. Because I was like, whoever wrote this... Knows so little about science fiction and has tried, like, has not even done any studying about how this might work, so they have completely fucked up this movie. Like, I no longer had any faith in the people making it to make intelligent choices about how to tell this story.
2: I feel like he didn't know how to make a complete sci fi movie and he didn't know how to make a complete horror movie, so he thought he'd combine the two, but he doesn't know how to balance the two. And we have to remember that as this is happening, we're cutting back to Earth where um, uh, Hamilton's Hamilton's husband is um, on his way to the hospital and then sees a kid in the wreckage. he's a doctor. There is a cool shot, though, (coughs) of the Cloverfield monster in the smoke. Yes. Which I thought was great.
1: Yeah, Um, because they basically are just intimating that, like, whatever this thing that she did was – Has torn open this space and there's dimensional creatures in a Watchman esque kind of way that are rampaging around there. And you kind of knew then, like, oh, I bet one of them will be a Cloverfield monster. And that'll sort of be your thing. But don't you dare try to tell me that this universe, like, this is the reason why the Cloverfield monster popped up in the other one or what. (sighs) Don't, don't, just don't, just don't do that. Yeah. But no one needs that.
2: So, I mean, and honestly, like, what they're cutting back to isn't a isn't a bad plot line. It's just I want it in a different movie. I don't want it in this movie. It I doesn't really go anywhere. Though. Yeah, and I don't want, I don't want you to distract me from the space movie because if you're distracting me from the space movie, you're taking away from the claustrophobia that you could be inciting. Yeah, within the space movie because if I'm just on this ship for ninety five percent of this movie, it makes it just as uncomfortable. Like I'm, I'll, I'll admit, yeah, I'm I, a, su- I'm am a, I'm a sucker in that regard. Like you, when I watch an alien movie. Um, like our uh, an early alien movie, I guess I should yeah. say when they 're not really alien. necessarily going on land yeah i i I feel tension even knowing everything I know because i 'm trapped on that ship, right, or in the same way where i 'm like i 'm trapped in this suburb in Halloween or i 'm trapped in this camp in uh, or this this uh, summer camp in Friday the thirteenth, you know like regardless of how goofy things have been in retrospect, the idea of being alone with no real place to go for help yeah and like when you cut away from that it 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 just any effective tension is ruined for me yeah because i, I know that the universe the universe you've created is a safe space yeah in that regard
1: or at least the, the yeah it just it takes away from that claustrophobia i, I would agree Yeah. so but, but anyway again like and uh, and, and, the, so, and, oh, and the oh and Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I didn't even mention the fact that before the worm guy dies, apparently the worms make him go crazy, tell him to create a gun, and then maybe go shoot some of his fellow uh, uh, astronauts. Oh, God. That this, doesn't make any sense. This
2: movie reminds you that 3D printers exist and they can create weapons.
1: And bagels. And bagels.
2: Oh, yeah. That was cool. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I was like, I want that bagel I like.
1: Machine. Yeah, I like the fact that she could 3D print a bagel.
2: That and, was awesome. And that, and that bagel looked delicious. Yeah, it was weird because <laughs> it was like flat. Yeah, it
1: had clearly not risen. It had been printed. It's a future bagel. James. Yeah, was, that was dope. No, yeah, Einstein um, future bagels. So yeah, he he 3D prints a gun. So that now there's a gun in the ship, and like he tries to shoot somebody, but like like doesn't really kill him. And then it reminds like,
2: me of that gun that John Malkovich made in In the Line of Fire. Yeah, <laughs> why did you shoot that duck, you asshole?
1: So anyway, we'll skip over a bunch of other people die for Elizabeth, random and, stupid and then shitty Elizabeth reasons. Elizabeth
2: the Becky. Does she stuff. goes
1: crazy. She mm-hmm. gets the gun. Well, she doesn't even go crazy. She has a rational, good argument. Mm-hmm. Which her argument is, when your saddle when your space station came into my dimension, you threw my space station into the water. I got teleported into yours somehow. You know, just you know, space timey wimey shit. You know, that's Those fine. I'm good up. with that. But her ship crashes. So that means that their magic solution to save the Earth, her version of reality does not have a a savior anymore. Like mm-hmm. they don't have a way to create unlimited energy. So she's like, the only thing for me to do is kill all of you, take over this ship and use this ship to save my loved ones and the people that I care about. Mm-hmm. This is again, great science fiction, but it doesn't right? go anywhere. So here you can see like, Oh, you put, you've, you pit her who has a really good argument against Hamilton who now she has to make a decision. Is she going to side with this woman and live in a world where her children are safe and alive or go back, stop this woman, and, and maybe try to save, find a way to save her, her children in this dimension and then also go back and save the version of reality she knows, thereby theoretically coping with the damage that she's gone through in her life. Obviously you want her to do the second one, right? She ends up not really getting to make a choice. Like she does it but there's not like a great moment where she has to come to a realization and get some closure and and it's done more out of settle it's with done that. more
2: out of fear and panic than it is yeah. out of contemplation.
1: Right, exactly. Um Which and, and I think it, a realization of like, oh, well there's a mother here too. And I think it,
2: and I and I now granted in the movie's defense, I think it's hard With a clover, the Cloverfield movies, however deep they've been able to get, they still, at the end of the day, are a very modern product that needs to to excite the audience. And I think that in trying to do a thoughtful story, they also had to contend with the fact of speed it up. Let's get to the end. But
1: but I'm not saying that's the, the. There are so many things wrong with this movie that that's not the reason why. Like so many things here don't make any sense, and then so it's not that like oh, we've made all these mistakes, and then when we could make a good choice and have there be some character development here, we just made another bad choice. Like it, That it's, that one thing is not the reason why this movie is broken.
2: I wonder if, like, I know this is the fanboy theory of the last year and a half, but, like, is there a longer, better version of this film? Or, <laughs> But based on this whole, like... I don't think so. Based I mean, on everything that I've heard through production and reshoots and whatnot, I don't think it was there's a better version of this that got caught up. I think that this is just... Maybe there was a good script that got cut up.
1: Maybe. Because, I
2: mean, there's got to be a reason Bad Robot bought this script.
1: I know. I mean, that's the thing that I want to... I want to hear J.J. Abrams explain what the fuck he was thinking. Because this one is seemingly so bad um, that I just don't understand it. Um, Like, I, I don't know how a guy who is so logical and sticks to the rules and has his scripts have everything have a reason and is a... Action, pa- action scene every 10 pages kind of guy. How do you have something as completely illogical as the whole worm sequence thing even be here? How does no one look at that and go, this makes no sense to the story we're telling. It has no effect on the film. It's, yes, kind of creepy when it happens, but ends up leaving you completely unsatisfied and really just drags this out.
2: When did they shoot this, do we know? Um, I in, all, in the last two years maybe he was like barely involved in this one compared to it the other be. ones because of Star Wars. It could be. Um, I'm trying to blame yeah. Star Wars for everything, but
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. How how involved he? But I, yeah. you have to think at some point someone pitched him the story, and you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, and and that last shot was,
1: yeah. So then you get both to the cool end, cool and dumb, and it's insultingly stupid. Yeah, because but
2: at this, uh, but as a it, uh, as its own shot, I liked it. But sure, because it looks cool, but.
1: Just because it looks cool it looks like doesn't cool. mean it is cool. But so then it ends. She comes back. They oh, so she sends a voicemail to herself in the other dimension telling her exactly how to solve, you know, recreate this collision so they can create fusion and, and hopefully save that Earth. And then she goes back to her own reality. Um, and she's like, oh man, we know how to save it or whatever. Like, bah, you know, um, but they get in a ship and fly back to Earth. Because, um, rather than like theoretically, they should just stay up there and get that thing humming, so they can get a bunch of energy going, and then like power the Earth somehow or something. But whatever, they come back down to Earth, and as they're doing so, like her husband's on the phone and with somebody, he's like, "Don't come back! Tell it, it, her not to it, come back because there's it, fucking monsters everywhere." In the
2: tradition of Halloween three, where Tom Atkins goes, "Stop it! Stop it! Stop it!"
1: <laughs> so okay, going back to so our our emotional arc for this character is she's going to get faced with this this opportunity of of do i go back to a world where there's a lot of heartbreak cuz i've lost my children but that's my home and that's my real reality or, or I have this opportunity here where my kids are alive. Do I cope with this thing? And then we not only spit in that character's face, but also honestly in the face of the audience and have this stupid fucking ending where it's just, Oh, they land on the planet and like a really bad ending to an episode of black mirror. There's fucking giant monsters. Uh Oh, everything's bad. Credits guys. Hope you liked it.
2: I kind of, I didn't feel angry when I saw that, but I felt disappointed. I was like, yeah, Oh, by
1: comparison to how, think back on that would have how been a cool amazing. shot for the end of the new
2: Godzilla movie. But like, no,
1: remember how good, you know, 10 Cloverfield Lane keeps going and you're like, why is the movie still going? She's out of the bunker and she survived the aliens. And you're like, why is she in the car again? I don't understand. And you have that moment where she makes that personal choice and goes, I'm not running anymore. Now I'm a hero. I'm going to be brave. I'm going to go fight. This is who I am the, now. Whereas, the, whereas these, these,
2: awesome. Whereas these characters have no choice. Right, which I don't understand why they don't have choices.
1: Like, if I were to say that there was anything good about, like, like, I would almost say that one of the themes of Cloverfield is sort of that, that that last moment of like acceptance and changing and and being like, okay, this is this is what I want to do now. Whether it's we're gonna die together because I'm tired of being apart from you, like in the first Cloverfield, or it's hey, I'm gonna go be a hero. I'm tired of being afraid all the time. This one is. I'm going back to Earth because I saved it. Oh shit, there's monsters. Credits. Like, it's just stupid. Yeah. Like, it's not a good ending. It doesn't satisfy that character arc that you that you already squandered. Um, the more I think about this movie, the more it is really, really terrible. I know. Um And honestly, it's more the more I understand why I think I think Bad Robot looked at this thing and went Dude, guys, Netflix they'd said they'd pay us fifty million, and they went, ha, ha, "Dude, get them to write that check right now because we're not going to get fifty million in the box office." Mm-hmm. Like you put this thing out, the word of mouth on this is going to be poison because this film is bad. Yeah. Like,
2: I would say though, if you if you if you've got nothing better to do, if you got an hour and a half or an hour forty five to kill, and you've already seen everything else, then yeah, go watch it. Yeah.
1: It's got some cool ideas in yeah, it. And, it's, it's, and, it's, yeah. it's
2: it's 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 uh, it's as entertaining as watching. I equate it to because I wonder how it'll like how we'll look on it say maybe ten years later, like in the same way that I look at an old horror movie, bad, where I'm like, yeah, this is bad, but I had fun with it, you know. Whereas like right now we're immediately reacting and we live in a fanboy world where all our fanboy dreams are true, and so we overanalyze a lot of things in in that respect. Oh. Now granted though, but if I but let's say ten years later, maybe I'll sit down and watch this again and be like, ah, it wasn't that bad, I guess. <laughs> Especially since we got My Little Pony five like last year. Like again, this is future Zach, but anyway.
1: Yeah. I... I, I think
2: if you've got nothing else to do, go ahead. If you're that curious, I think is the better way to say it. If you're if you are interested in J. J. Abrams, yeah. Cloverfield and whatnot, then yeah, of course you're gonna watch it. yeah. Don't.
1: If if so, you've already
2: watched it. Yeah,
1: um, but uh, yeah, I, I. This is not me being fanboyish and getting everything I want. There's, there are so many, quantifiable, broken parts of this film. No, I know. Um, I'm just I'm
2: I'm I'm pointing out the yeah anyway, yeah. But
1: cool. Yeah. No. Just, what do we see next week, guys? Fifty Shades Freed.
2: I know we've got to we've we've got to go to Wakanda, man.
1: Oh shit.
2: And I think Corinne wants to be on. Oh, cool. According to the messages that I read. Sweet. So hopefully we can make But that maybe work. we should also be freed of our fifty shades for some entertaining it's, banter.
1: <laughs> it's not it's not actually happening this week. It's gonna happen like two weeks from now. Oh okay. Really cool. uh, anyway, um yeah, so next week we're gonna see Black Panther. Yeah. Um, Brad, should people see Black Panther?
4: God damn it.
1: Go
2: ahead. Throw it in our faces. <laughs> throw it in our faces. You hear that, Ryan? Uh, They're mocking us. <laughs> anyway.
3: Um, Are we really, going to wait till then to talk about it? Sure, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. And um,
2: yeah, so we'll see you all next week. Wait, really quickly. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to tell you something. So I didn't post this because I want you guys to look it up at some point. So I showed my nephew a little Sesame Street video, and it was a Star Wars parody called Star S'mores. Okay. And in the parody... Grover plays Yoda, so they put blue long ears on Grover. Cool. But Grover sounds like Yoda, number one, because yes. they, they sound alike. But number two, Yoda's already a Muppet. Why didn't Sesame Street just call up Lucasfilm and be like, hey, can we borrow that Yoda puppet? Hmm. I'm just saying, is Kathleen Kennedy holding Yoda back from his potential to well, be, versatile, to wait, be wait, a versatile was this, actor? Was this recent? It is a recent one. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay, cool. It's like on the more, new, yeah. I was thinking like, oh man, like,
2: and don't get me wrong, it's got great puns. Like, I want to oh, know
1: oh. whether or not Grover was originally voiced by Frank Oz.
2: It, well, he was.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so that's it's, awesome. It's the
2: same person. That's great. My question is, why did they just get Yoda? He's already a puppet.
1: Because that's more fun. Grover dressed you know, up like Yoda.
2: And once more, they're self-aware because Cookie Monster, who's playing Han Solo, um, who he's called Flan Solo by the way, yeah, because uh, it's about desserts, and uh, he go- looks at Yo- Grover as Yoda and goes, "You look familiar." And sound familiar I'm like oh. oh god Sesame Street self-aware That's great That's <laughs> it, really good It's adorable my, my nephew loved it but That's I just, awesome It frustrated me Because when you look at Grover In the Yoda thing He almost looks like Yoda So it's just like It just It bothered me for some reason I sent it to my uncle Who's a Star Wars fan And yeah. he was like Explain this shit to me
1: <laughs> what, what What's it, What's the short called It's then? called Star S'mores Okay and I might, about, I might look that
2: up it, The lesson is about self-control So that Aww. Cookie Monster Doesn't eat his uh, best friend Chewie Who's a cookie
1: Oh, that's great! Yeah, oh. Awesome.
2: Anyway, I just wanted to tell that little story. Fantastic! Yeah,
1: that sounds adorable. Sweet. All right, Till next week. All
2: right, bye.
1: Bye. Bread says bra- bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast.